Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Not who you wanted to see, huh? Welcome to Off the Bench <laughs> with Tom Brenneman. I'm Tom Brenneman. Stand in, Reed Mouse. This show is powered by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way 10. A. A. The 12. P. Yep. That's right. We did it. Eastern Standard Time. We have a fun show for you today. We're going to talk about the Reds. We're going to talk about the Bengals. Austin Elmore, co-host of Cincy 360 on 1530, will be on the show in just a few minutes at 1015. Tracy Jones will be on at 1130. The Reds lost again to the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday. The nightmare's finally over. And you might be a bit harsh by calling the Reds playing the Brewers a nightmare, but I don't know what else to call it at this point. They won three games in the season series against the Milwaukee Brewers. They get shut out once again by Fastball Freddy. Fastball Freddy has two starts this year in which he gave up zero runs. Both have come the last two times he pitched against the Cincinnati Reds. He struck out 13 over six innings. And two starts against the Reds this year. 12 innings pitched, 19 Ks, two walks, five hits given up. The Reds are a game and a half out of first place, but that's not the only sporting news that happened in this world. Last night, the Angels announced that they took Shohei Otani off the trade market. People had been speculating where he would wind up for weeks, for months. It turns out that the Angels are keeping him right there and are going to try and re-sign him. And not only that, they bolstered their roster and they're going to make a final push at the postseason. A puzzling move that many thought. But they got Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez taking one of the Reds' potential targets off the trade market. And they did that trading Kai Bush and a catching prospect, Edgar Cuero. The Dodgers made another move after getting Kike Hernandez. They traded Noah Syndergaard for Ahmad Rosario straight up. The Dodgers always seem to be making not just big splashes, but small moves like this every single trade deadline. They are one of the most mystifying teams in Major League Baseball that it seems like everything they touch turns to gold and then they get in the postseason and don't have a whole lot of success. In the NFL, Jim Ursay tweeted that running backs just don't matter. A year before the Colts star player, Jonathan Taylor, is up for contract, so that's pretty amazing. And in other sporting news, uh... Former intelligence officer David Grush testified before Congress just saying that aliens and UFOs exist. Of course, the Cincinnatians knew that because we had to face Ben Roethlisberger for a decade and a half. Eh? Eh? Yeah. It's because he's ugly. Yeah. I got, got it. it? I got it. Got it? All right, guys. Uh, the fellows over there, Jacob, Elliot, how are you guys doing? Good, Reid. I'm good. Elliot? You look good in that Bengals, that Bengals orange. Thank you. I appreciate it. How soon after the Super Bowl did you buy that? I bought it there, in the stadium. You, you bought it in the stadium. In the stadium. Is that, where does that rank in your top moments of your life? Being in the, I know they lost, but hey. just getting to see the Bengals play in a Super Bowl. I mean, literally until Joe Burrow, that incomplete pass at the end, I thought I was convinced we were winning the game. So right until clocks hit zeros, I mean, it was number one. I, there was nothing like that. Elliot? Yeah. How are what, you? What a time to be alive, Reed. It's a great day. The Brewers series is over. No more Brewers. The Reds are very good against everybody except for the Brewers. Bengals season getting underway soon here. It's a great time to be alive. Am I the only one that's just absolutely juiced by all these training camp clips? 
I mean, football cannot get here close enough. I know Casey has to feel the same way. I'm literally just like shaking. Shaking oh, over it's the here best. with excitement. We're, we're so close. The NFL season is close. The NFL season is the best season. I just love the oh, NFL so season so much. It's like every Sunday when I watch every slate of games, and then I get. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do for Red Zone this year. I, I didn't get. Um, what's his name? Hanson. Yeah. I. So that's YouTube now. Is that right? Yeah, YouTube TV. I don't know if I'll get that. I don't know if I'll get oh, that. But they could have priced that quite literally anything. And they could, they all give him my money. I mean, the, not having red zone and you know being able to switch back and forth through all the games is just not an option. I got YouTube TV back when it was forty five dollars a month. It is in the three years that I've had it has doubled its price. Yeah, it is every bit of seventy five dollars a month now. That's crazy. It's crazy. Paul. So last night, Reed, I thought I beat the golf leagues. Everett Henry tweeted. Everett Henry tweeted, "Golf leagues ruin the sport." or leagues ruin golf, whatever he tweeted. You tagged me in it. I responded, and I said, I beat the leagues once in a lifetime. Dare to dream. So I thought I beat the leagues. Oh, no. I thought I beat the leagues. You were behind the league, weren't you? I was the first group behind the league. Yeah. That's worse than not golfing. It was. It was. (laughs) I, honest to God, I paid the green fees. I was on the third hole. I almost just walked off the course. I waited almost 10 minutes a hole. I played nine holes. Usually, if I'm playing on my own and I don't have anybody in front of me. Now, some people might say this is too fast. You don't get your money's worth. But I can play nine holes in about an hour and 35 minutes just on my own if I want to. Yesterday, it took me almost two and a half hours for nine holes. I mean, it was just brutal. Have you ever walked off a course because of, for whatever reason? Uh, rain a couple times. Okay. Like, when you, I like literally couldn't even see the green. But I don't just... Yeah, I don't just leave. Like my, I'm not. I'm not just like picking up the sticks if I'm shooting a hundred. My ADHD kicks in sometimes. I'll go out and play by myself, and you know I'll just pay for nine, play the first three holes, get behind somebody. I'll skip over to hole number six, play two holes, play number nine, and head in, and just play like six holes out of yeah. out of the nine. Or I just leave sometimes. If it's too backed up, I'll just be like, ah, eh, that's enough. Also, I don't pay for golf here in Hamilton, so that. That That's is. true. Now, I will say it was all worth it because we got backed up so much. The groups behind us got backed up so much, too, that uh, there was, a, a, I guess, a man and his son that was playing behind us, about my age, probably. And the dad, very nice guy, I said, hey, do you guys want to play together? Because we're all just backing up anyway. Might as well just join groups. He was like, yeah, no problem. We play about two or three holes, and I was playing pretty well. He looks at me on the green of one of these holes. And he goes, hey, I got to ask you, are you a scratch 1.2? I looked at him. I laughed in his face because I thought he was kidding. I thought it was a shtick. Are you humble bragging right now? And he goes, and I I could tell like he was being very sincere. And I said, oh, sir, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm a (laughs) 16.4. I said, I'm no good at all. (laughs) And he goes, I would have never guessed anything more than 10. I... I almost just I, – I texted one of my friends. I, I, should, I should have shook his hand. I should have never played the sport again. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I, I played pretty well yesterday. That was shot, a nice humble shot brag. Shot a 42. Stick it to that club. That was a later. nice humble brag, Paul. It's not the <laughs> best humble brag I've ever heard in golf. One time I was playing with my friends, and this guy's about 250 out on a par five and just laces a three wood right in the middle of the green, sticks. And the only thing he says is he turns to us and goes, yeah, that's going to be a big divot to fix. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's the greatest comment you can ever say. Yeah. Casey, are you as excited as Jacob that all these training camp videos have come out? Yes, absolutely. I am so excited to start talking football again. And 
you know, we already know this. NFL's king. Um, I feel like I was in dormant for a while. Hibernating. Hibernating, you know. And now I get to finally come back out of the cave and, and be a part of the conversations again. So uh, very excited for football to come back. Are we worried that there's there's a little bit of disruption? Already a fight, day one of training camp? I mean, that's... That's just I, a competitive it, fire, baby. That's what it we like to see. just gets the juices going. You know what's funny is if the Bengals were a dumpster fire the past few years, the conversation would be that this Bengals team has no chemistry. Are you kidding me? Everything, it's just a dumpster fire in there. But because they've been good, like, dude, the competitive nature of this team is through the roofs. I can't believe it. I, I do not like that it was Orlando Brown. Um, I feel like as the new guy in the locker room starting to fight with, you know, an undisputed leader like Trey Hendrickson on day one might not be the best way to set your foot as, like, you know, a leader of the O-line, right. a leader of the offense. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it seemed like, you know, his quotes at the, at the end of the day seemed like it was all all right. So, the, the yeah, one thing I no that I'll add to that is Trey Hendrickson had claw marks on his neck. Yeah. Mm. Trim your nails, buddy. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus what are we doing? You know, it's trying to kill people out there with those things. My Lord. <laughs> J- Jacob asked if, if we're fired up for training camp. I cannot get excited for football until after this week because as a baseball fan, this is truly one of the best times in the year. Just the trade deadline. I Baseball does a few things better than, than most sports. They used to for forever have the best offseason, but because of, you know, I think LeBron moving down to Florida and all these moves that happened in the NBA, the NBA is quickly surpassing what the what baseball does in terms of the offseason. And the other trade deadlines are catching up, but baseball still hones the last week of the season, getting these rentals, all these trades, all these teams buying, selling, buying, selling. It's the talk of the town for a month here in baseball. It's actually one of the only times where baseball is truly in national news is, is this team going to buy? Is this team going to sell? What's going to happen? Luckily, the Angels didn't trade Shohei Otani for draft draft picks because you know you can't do that, Colin Cowherd. But <laughs> actually, last night at my adult league baseball game, a guy came up, and we are talking about a trade that happened. Uh, I think it was the Dodgers trade. Kike, not the Ahmad Rosario for, for Noah Syndergaard. And this guy looks up to me. He's like, when is the trade deadline? Yada yada. He's like, oh, it's this week. He's like, I feel like baseball doesn't advertise when their trade deadline is. I was like, I didn't feel like that's the only thing they advertise. Like at times, it feels the only news that you ever hear is who's gonna go where, what's gonna happen, is Juan Soto gonna get the biggest package ever. All these things that happen at the trade deadline. It's truly one of the most exciting times of the year. And the Cincinnati Reds, for the first time in a, kind of a couple of years, if not longer really have some big decisions to make. Are they going to move off of the rookie of the year from a two from two years ago, Jonathan India? Are they going to get some starting pitching in return? So many things to talk about. We've been talking about it on this show for weeks, if not months. We're going to talk about it with Austin Elmore in a few minutes, and we're going to break down really what the Reds can do at this trade deadline as it's going to be coming around in the next week. So, guys, I got to ask a question for the Reds fans in the room. I know you haven't hit the panic button, and I'm not insinuating that you should because you shouldn't. But are you in the room, the panic room? Have you opened up the door? Has the button, the glass casing, and deal or no deal, has it at least been lifted? Is your hand hovering above it? Or are you still well outside the panic room, and you're like, hey, this storm's not going to hit us. 
we're fine. Too much young talent. Too many positive vibes going forward. Because if we've shown one thing over the Reds, and, and I'm trying not to be too harsh as the Reds, the, the, the Reds hater in the room. I try to be unbiased, but it's hard to be unbiased. And you know what? I'm, I, I'm not even going to give my best foot forward for that one. But the Reds can't beat the best team in the division. They face good pitching. And the bats go quiet, and that is something that we talked about. Are you in the panic room? Are we pressing the panic button anytime soon? No, no, I'm not. I'm not worried. We're done playing the Brewers. That you know, that whole hill is gone. We we had our chance to you know turn the tables and beat them this last series, and we didn't do it. So that's now on the back burner. We have you know 50 something games against the rest of the league. Let's beat those guys. Let's win the division. And if we don't, we don't. I mean, we. I, I'm not a guy that says we need to go you know to the Final Four. To, to be happy this year, I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good things going on this year. Who did say that? that uh, I don't know. Um, that you can be happy about. I mean, the lineup's great. There's going to be ups and downs. You have, you have a lineup with an average age of 25, I think, was the stat when you're running, you know, the, the ideal group out there every day. Yeah, I, I think this might – I don't want to say losing games recently after the Ulster break has been a good thing because it hasn't. You always want to win games. But as someone that really didn't want to trade and go all in – I don't think this has been the worst case scenario for the Reds. You know what's funny about the the Brewers series now officially being over is the fact that it doesn't even feel like it's a division race going forward. It feels more like a wild card race, and the fact that it feels because you don't play them right in your scoreboard watching it. I mean, it might as well be a team in another division at this point. You still two months left, and you're not going to play the Brewers anymore. It's just such a unique faction and in the way that the new scheduling is set up and we, we brought it up multiple times and it's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out going forward but one thing before we get to, to Austin Elmore someone said I'm drinking fountain coke at 10 in the morning or <laughs> I'm a hillbilly come on it's iced coffee guys it's 95 degrees and I can't be drinking hot coffee oh, here. it is so hot I walked outside this morning and it was just like it hit me like a brick wall I mean what are we doing yeah what are we doing it's, it's, gonna, get, it's gonna get even hotter it's going to get even hotter. And Paul's still going to ask to sit outside at lunch. Yeah. I mean, oh, there's no crazy. doubt. There's no doubt. Absolutely crazy. There's no doubt. All right. Well, we teased him. It's the co-host of Cincy 360 from ESPN's 1530, Audie Elmore. Austin, as the most handsome guy on Cincy 360, how you doing? <laughs> I'm wonderful. you got to throw a splash of almond milk or something in there. Oh, no. It's black as can be. Black as night. Gotta, That's the only you gotta way. you got to put a splash of something. Are you, are you a coffee drinker? Oh yeah, I got see I got some right here. I put a splash of almond milk in it. Come how do you now. milk it how do you milk an almond? Do That's almonds have question. nipples? Not that I'm aware of, but That's I'm not question. I'm not here to say it's not possible. All right, Austin. So the Reds lost another series against the Milwaukee Brewers. The trade yes. deadline is coming forward. Game and a half out. Do you think mm -hmm. that the Reds should be buyers? Do you think the Reds should stay put? Do you think that the Reds should get rid of Jonathan India for some prospects? There's so many moves that the Cincinnati Reds can do going forward. What do you think, as a sports talk show host here in the city, what do you think the Reds should do at this trade deadline? Well, you know, as you know, you have to try to look at every angle of these things. And at first, I was very much, don't trade Jonathan India. I have no interest in trading Jonathan India. And then I started looking around, I started looking at the numbers, I started looking up, okay, yeah, I'm okay if you trade Jonathan India. But I'm like, no, they don't really need to go and, and be buyers. They don't really need to be aggressive. It's not about this year. It's about the next several years. 
But then I'm like, well, you know, a starting pitcher would be nice since the other two can't seem to get on the field. Uh, but, you know, the, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I, I'm okay with this team as is. The, against everybody besides the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves, who they have played them tough, they at least look like a feasible team against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Reds are pretty damn good. And I don't want to mortgage what goes for the next two or three years uh, for this season because I don't think they're one player away from winning the World Series. I don't think they're – they might not be two players away from winning the World Series. And we don't know what T.J. Antone is going to look like when he gets back. We don't know if Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are going to be sustainable for the rest of this season because they haven't been sustainable so far in their career. If you can get something out of Jonathan India, controllable young starting pitching this year, I'm okay with it. Um, but really, I, I don't know that they need to make a move and mortgage what – you know. We had to go through that 100-loss season last year to get to this point, and it's about more than this season. It's about the next four or five. And so to me, I'm totally okay with them if they just stay put where they're at. Do you think the city's ready to lose a guy that, for all intents and purposes, was kind of the face of the franchise for the past two years in Jonathan India, won a rookie of the year back in 2021, a month ago when the rumors started swirling, when all these rookies come up and they say, Jonathan India – his spot doesn't look as clear, doesn't look as crystal clear as it did when the season started. Do you think this city is ready to lose a guy like Jonathan India? Do you think the city will go up in arms if he gets traded? If there's a time to do it, it's right now when all the attention is kind of on the Bengals as well after they have uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, started training camp and, and lost a bunch of games to the Brewers. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And a lot was made when Joey Votto came up about the the clubhouse and being able to, you know, don't mess up the feng shui of the clubhouse. That was insanely overblown. And while Jonathan India, I do think, is a leader and I do think is a quote-unquote face of the franchise, mm -hmm. I don't know that losing him in the clubhouse would be as big of a deal as we might seem to think it is. Fans would be pissed, but fans are always pissed. That's just life uh, of being a, a fan. And I think most people would understand you still have Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain and Spencer Steer and CES. And now all of a sudden, Will Benson and TJ Friedel look like they are big league outfielders. And so you still understand that the next several years are going to be filled with those guys that are under team control for a long time. And moving on from India is not the, the worst thing in the world. He's kind of the odd man out. He only plays one right. position. He's not a very good defender. Uh, his numbers have, have dropped in two consecutive years after the Rookie of the Year season. So I think fans would get over it eventually, especially if this team continues to play well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you have to be ready for that. If the last two years have taught us anything, uh, you have to be ready to, to say goodbye to things you like. You know, yeah, you mentioned it. it you got to trade him when, when the value is at its peak. And going forward, that value is going to continue to dwindle because his role in the team is getting smaller and smaller by the day. Mm -hmm. Do you have any concern with the rookie's ability to play in marquee games? Because, you know, this lineup hasn't, you know, the, the, this big, high-potent, high-octane offense hasn't mm -hmm. shown very well against the Milwaukee Brewers, who we, we all acknowledge has a great pitching staff, has t very talented arms. But the offense kind of goes by the wayside in these marquee games. Is there any cause for concern in these rookies' ability to perform in marquee games? 
maybe just a teaspoon of concern. I'm not sure. I mean, 27 and 30 against teams above 500. A good portion of that came before the rookies got to the big leagues. They've been very good since Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz have gotten here. They don't strike me as a group that is afraid of anything. Like, I don't think that they fear a big game. I, I don't think that they fear a, a big opponent. I mean, you, you've seen the way they've gone toe-to-toe with the Atlanta Braves. Um, I just think the the matchup with the Brewers is just not a good one. Uh, I wonder if other teams will try to copy that when, you know, they play the Cincinnati Reds. But, you know, they, they go into Dodger Stadium coming up, and, and I don't think that's a big deal for those guys. I, I don't think that that's something that they are concerned about. Like, yeah, they're happy to be there, and this is cool. This is a cool moment. Uh, first time in your big league career that you're playing at Dodger Stadium and, you know, all the, the historic parts around that. They went to Wrigley Field for the first time and swept the Chicago Cubs a couple of, uh, of weeks ago. Don't they went to me. Fenway. They went, to, yeah, yeah. They went to Fenway and took care of the of the Boston Red Sox. So I, I don't think that that sort of thing um, is something that will. I don't think the moment can be too big for these young guys because they don't know any better. They don't fear anything. So that's not something I'm too worried about. But just the Brewers in, in and of themselves in these big games, it did seem like they were pressing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, you okay. just don't want that to snowball. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk about, you know, talent being moved here in, in the Queen City. You know, the the biggest trade that had already happened is us getting Elliot Rearing here at Chatterbox Sports. You know, <laughs> our mutual friend Elliot Rearing has been on an anti-Ian Jabot tirade for the better part of a month. I haven't seen this much anti-Great Britain propaganda since wow. the Boston Tea Party. A little inside <laughs> baseball he tells me that you share a same disaffection yeah. for Ian Jabot. What more can this man do to get some confidence from you and Elliot? You know, I was just talking about him on the air yesterday that I had to give him credit because I think he has allowed one run in his last seven appearances. He has been solid out of the bullpen for the Cincinnati Reds. But there was a time, a significant stretch of time, and Elliot knows this, and Elliot knows better than anybody because he looks exactly like Ian Jabot, <laughs> that in, in high-leverage situations, he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. He was atrocious. Very, 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 very bad. And for some reason, the Reds kept putting him out there in those situations. It seems like two things have happened. A, he's been out there in less of those situations. He's been more calm, and he's gotten more outs. And B... Uh, he just is throwing strikes more than he was previously. He was putting himself in so many bad counts. Uh, but if he keeps doing what he's doing, Ian Jabot, watch out. I mean, they desperately need some sort of consistency, guys that can actually throw strikes out of the bullpen. And uh, it's funny, every time, and I'm sure Elliot experiences this now too, every time he comes into the game, my phone just blows up. Twitter mentions like crazy, like, <laughs> okay, here it goes, here we go. And for the last seven times, he's been pretty dang good. Yeah, I think I we, we put this up. Um, opposing hitters' slash lines against Ian Jabot. When there's nobody on base is actually better. Hitters are batting better when there's nobody on base than when they're on base. Yeah. So high leverage situation, Ian Jabot has been maybe better than than our brains remember. Elliot, you got I anything? Had a, I, had a Google, oh, I had a Google Doc going for a while that I would just update every day with his numbers uh, because <laughs> I was something I would talk about every day, but I haven't been able to update that because he's actually been good. Elliot, anything for Audie? Yeah. Hey, Austin, I'm a big fan of your work over there on uh, <laughs> uh, ESPN 1530. I, I've been thinking about this bullpen, and we just we just talked you know, about it. Hold on a, a second. He's, Reed said this was a trade, but we did we get anything in return? Was it a player to be named later? 
you got to come on. You got to come on off the bench for a 15 minute segment on on July 27th in the okay. year of our yeah. Lord 2023. Okay. That yeah, that's, that's the trade. I've been Austin. I've been watching this Reds team, and for the life of me, it's not just Ian Jabot. It's guys like Derek Law. It's guys like Fernando Cruz. When these guys yeah. come into the game, I'm still concerned. Like, and, and I'm going to be proven wrong time in, time out. Every mm -hmm. time they come in, they get the job done. But every single time, I am nervous. Do you share the same yeah. feeling? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went on a tirade yesterday about how you can't allow – you can't have defensive indifference in a, run, in a game less than six, seven runs with this bullpen. And, you know, it put him almost in a terrible situation the other day when Yelich hits the three-run home run. But what if you just throw the guy out at second base when your best defensive catcher, Luke Maley, is in the game because you have minor league pitchers coming out of the bullpen to face the best team in the National League Central and the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, I, I, extremely nervous every single time. The only person I even feel good about, honestly, is maybe Buck Farmer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Diaz right now looks like he is he's gassed. He's a little bit exhausted. Uh, it, it doesn't seem ever easy with Alexis Diaz, at least in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Lucas Sims a little bit was was one of those guys where you feel good about. But for the most part, I don't feel good about anybody. Like Fernando Cruz, I think, could be a really good relief pitcher. But he gets so caught up in the moment. Like, he wa you ever notice he'll throw a pitch and he'll walk almost all the way to home plate because he's so excited <laughs> to get the ball back? And he's just, like, talking to himself the whole time. It's like, dude, you need to calm down and throw a strike here. Uh, and, and, you know, yeah, there's a lot of inexperience, but the, the crazy part is there's also a lot of experience. Like, Derek Law has a lot of big league experience. Yeah. Alex Young has a lot of big league experience, and they still don't seem to be somebody that you feel confident in when they come into the game. So, yes, I certainly share that, uh, that feeling. But as, as little of confidence we ha as we have in the bullpen, Andrew Abbott, one of the rookies that have come up this season, we had the debate yesterday or maybe two days ago. I still think right now if Hunter Green returns from injury in August, right, maybe middle of August, if the Reds were to make the postseason, I think Andrew Abbott goes game one in a postseason series. What about you? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I, there'd be, there would be no reason to, to put Hunter Green in the first game. Unless he comes back in the next two, three weeks, and he's fantastic in the month of September. I mean, there's no reason you could you could start anybody else. None. Not even close. I agree. And if they would, there would be such, such a, a – there's already a ton of people that question the analytics of this organization. There would be a lot more uh, questioning them then. But, yeah, there's no reason anybody other than Andrew Abbott. Austin, if you were a betting man – which I assume okay. that you are. I'm not. Would you okay. say that? Would you say that the Reds make the postseason at this very moment? Yes, yes, I would. I think division. they'll win the National League Central. Okay, you think they'll win the division? Yeah, I they do. certainly have yeah. the most I talent. I I don't trust Milwaukee. What I'm most interested in is what does Milwaukee do at the deadline? If yeah, they, they get one, maybe yeah. If they get one, maybe two bats, it's going to be tough for the Reds. Uh, but Milwaukee has a difficult schedule as well. The Reds loosen up a little bit in September. Uh, but I think now that you've you've got the Milwaukee series behind you, you I, I worry a little bit about Ellie De La Cruz and, and him not being able to adjust at the plate. But I think they have enough talent to win the National League Central. And Milwaukee does not have enough offense. And if they go through a lull in their bullpen at any point, it's going to be a rough stretch for them. I think the Reds are the better team. I think they'll win the National League Central. I think there's a third team that every time I get on X.com, all anyone's talking about 
is how the Cubs just keep on winning ball games, playing the best ball in the National yeah. League. But I digress. Yeah. Go up to Wrigley Field for four games next week. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it rolls. Four it's- night games too. What's up with that? That never happens. Yeah, it, it's midweek, and I just you know when they play on the weekend up at Wrigley, they're always day games. But you yeah. figure at least that the final game what of the series would do? be a day game. I don't yeah, know. It seems like something's up there. Do you, do After you a long flight to LA and you know one day <laughs> off, something maybe is moving game times around. I don't know. Just, <laughs> so you think that more rest is gonna is it gonna hurt the Reds? Of, it reeks of Cub. I don't know. Something's going on. <laughs> Hey, the Cubs smell nice. No, they are. I, you know, the, the Cubs are an interesting team. They're fun. And David Ross, first team all good guy. Love that mm. dude. So, it's great. I'm, I, when the Cubs are good, baseball is fun. Austin, you got right to my heart. You got mm-hmm. right to my heart right there. You know, I used to hate the Cubs more than anybody good. in sports ever. Because they're, they're, hate them. they're the premier no, franchise no. of Major League Baseball. No, it was primarily because of comments <laughs> like that when they were awful. But... <laughs> Then 2015-2016 came around, and every dude on that team, with the exception of Javier Baez and, I guess, eventually Addison Russell, uh, were likable dudes. Like, they were all likable guys. Fun, easy to root for. Ever since then, I've been kind of fond of the Cubs. You are the only person in this – you are the only person in this city that actually likes Anthony Rizzo, and I appreciate that because Anthony Rizzo – I love Anthony Rizzo. Gosh, I like this guy. I like this guy, Elliot. (laughs) All right. Do we think that the Joe Burrow contract gets done this weekend? Yeah, I think so. You think Monday yeah, morning probably. we're waking up to to a new present? Uh, yeah, it might even be Saturday morning. All right. I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge, but yeah, I think everybody. I keep hearing people say, "Oh, it'll be done by Friday. It'll be done by Friday," and nobody actually knows. Nobody's no in those knows. conversations. But I, I do get the feeling that you know T Higgins was tweeting out some strange stuff yesterday. Uh, there seems to be like a vibe, according to I was uh, uh, reading Paul Daner Jr. and said that there was just something different about the practice. I feel like it's going to get done sooner rather than later. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Everything says that Joe Burrow will be the highest paid player in NFL history. That tells me one of two things. One, that once again, the city of Cincinnati is at the epicenter of the National Football League, as it always is. Yes, and has been. the question that, that, per, that persists is... Do we think that this hamstrings the Bengals' financial flexibility in the future? Do you think that this hurts the roster long-term? Uh, yeah, I, I think it would be foolish not to say that. A lot of people say, oh, he's going to take a team-friendly deal or he's right. going to take less money. There's a difference between taking less money and taking a team-friendly deal. Like, you can still get a ton of money, and it can still be team-friendly based on the way that you structure the contract. Uh, I, I think he's going to get... 280, 290, 300 million dollars. I think it's going to be maybe longer than five years. I think they're going to put themselves in a position where over the next two or three years, they can lock down at least T. Higgins, maybe Logan Wilson. Wilson might be the the odd man out. Uh, but yeah, it, this happens across the NFL. Every time a quarterback gets paid, you have to make concessions at other parts of the ball. The Kansas City Chiefs had to deal with this on their defense after paying Patrick Mahomes. They've had to deal with it at wide receiver, letting Tyreek Hill go. Uh, after paying Patrick Mahomes. Every single wide receiver that was on their roster in the playoffs last year for the Kansas City Chiefs got the Kansas City that season. So there's turnover like that. And if you trust your quarterback, if you trust your coach, which I think the Bengals do, and everybody believes that Joe Burrow is a guy who can make other people better, well, then you are going to have to have turnover, whether it be at tight end, like they've done with Hayden Hurst, now getting Irv Smith, 
whether it be at wide receiver where they just drafted two guys and Tyler Boyd's probably out the door or whether it be at running back where Joe Mixon's days are numbered as well. That's that's part of life in the NFL and you have to be able to keep it affordable on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and I think now they're going to put a big emphasis on drafting young players on defense as well, which we saw in the draft. Uh, but, yeah, it absolutely hamstrings a team. I don't know if, like, it's a bad thing because everybody would rather have a top-five quarterback than anything else, but uh, it, it creates some creativity in the cap that you have to work through. Yeah, it's it's a necessary evil, right? It's undoubtedly mm-hmm. that that it's going to shush, hamstring what they can do with, with other marquee players. But if you have a great quarterback in this league, if you have a coach that at least can create great chemistry – you're going to win a lot of games in the National Football League, and I think the Bengals are going to be good for at least a decade. Final football question I have for you before I let you Mm -hmm. go. Back in 2012, the Sydney Yellow Jackets played the Vandalia Butler Aviators, and a young chipper, Austin (laughs) Elmore, had two tackles in that game, including one solo tackle. Does the city of Sydney still refer to that game as the Elmore game? No, they don't. Um, I think that was a. I think Taylor Decker played in that game. Maybe. Really? Uh, they had they had two guys that went to play D one college football. One of them's in the NFL right now. Taylor Decker. I did not get a lot of pass rush against Taylor Decker in that game uh, as a defensive lineman. Uh, but yeah, I had two solo tackles, and that was basically the highlight of my high school career. Or two tackles in general, one solo. People in Sydney are still talking about that game, Austin. Hey, thank People you for- in Sydney were excited because we had gone 0-20 the previous two seasons, and we won four games that final year. And, uh, yeah, it was exciting times. Is that because you were a senior and a leader in, 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 the, in the locker room? Is that the kind of leadership was- <laughs> that you provide? Yes. You know, it was terrible. Nobody cares about high school sports, uh, at least my story. Uh, but I was playing the best football of my life going into my senior season. And I snapped my arm in the last scrimmage. I only oh, no. played like two games. Yeah. Tough. But that Tough. Vandalia game was my first game back. I went off. <laughs> two tackles. <laughs> two tackles to the stat sheet. I was crazy. I was crazy. Hey. Aaron Donald. <laughs> Thanks again, Austin. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Elliot, anything anything left to say? Yeah, Austin, uh, tell Tony I said hi. He's still a bad quarterback. And, and, and tell God and Aunt Marge and everybody else over there on Cincy 360 that I say hello as well. Uh, thank you very much. I hope we get to hear from Reed from Reed at some point soon as well. <laughs> I was going to say, it's been a long time since I've since I've been on there. I hope I hope everyone's humbling Tony on the talkback segments. So. Yes, uh, every day, every day. Uh, all right, see you, Austin. Thank you again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'll tell you what, a Cincinnati talk show host that says glowing things about the Chicago Cubs. You love to see it. You just love to see it, guys. And I'll tell you what, don't let the Cubs sneak a couple games against the Reds next week. Mm. That would be – Reed and I, I think, are going to a game. Is that correct? We are. We're going to go Wednesday. Okay. If they lose that, I'm going to be upset. If the Reds (laughs) lose that game when I'm with Reed in Chicago at Wrigley, it's going to be a bad day. What's, What's the bet? I mean, yeah, you guys got to put some coin on that game. I'm not saying coin. I'm saying, like, you like dumping water on yourself. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of practical, of practical pranks. If, if, if the Reds win the game that we attend, what's the bet? I, the only thing I can think of is that you have to wear some kind of Reds shirt, Reds outfit, and go to either a game or have a whole show. And be what? Just you, and then get wet afterwards. <laughs> you should have to do a, a pro-reds hour. Pro-reds hour? 
an hour yeah. of just glowing yeah, things about the Reds. How Listen. we're going to win the Central this year, how the Cubs have no chance. No, but he can't do that because he'd, he'd do that weird smile he does, yeah. and he'd just make it a big joke. He'd enjoy it more than we would. It, I, and the tough to hair, yeah, you're right. Paul. Do I do I live rent-free in your guys' head? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. 100%. I love it. It's, just I love that it. Smi- it's the smile and stare that Reed has when you, when you know he's just making fun of you. It just hurts your feelings. If the Reds win, I will wear a red shirt on air for a week. For a week. I'll wear Reds stuff on air. If the Cubs win, you've got to eat a Chicago hot dog. You've got to have a shot of Malort and drink an old style. What? Um, I, I mean, it goes against my principles. So I don't know. Principles? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big drinker. Don't have principles, Elliot. <laughs> okay, I'll agree. At least I agree. The Malort. I, I agree. agree with you, Elliot, taking a shot of Malort. I more want to see you eat a Chicago hot dog because uh, you want to talk about aliens existing. If you've ever seen one of those things, they're delicious, but they look like an alien. I will do. I will eat a hot dog and have a shot of whatever that was. Do you know what a Chicago hot dog is? No. Oh, baby, you're in for a treat. I bet you're in. They're great. Fantastic. Tomatoes, peppers, poppy, poppy seed bun. I like that. I like all of that. It's a. It's good. It's not. This isn't a punishment. Okay. The Malort. The Malort's a little bit the of a punishment. Okay. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Reed versus Elliot in Chicago Wednesday night. We'll see you there. I might dress like Steve Barbin for that game. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> That'd be great. You want, you want to get the seat? You want to, you want to get the so- seat? Yeah. Well, they took it away, didn't they? No, it's there. It's still there? Oh, yeah. I thought they removed that seat. No, what they did is the, they've since moved the field in. Because that was back when the bullpens were on the field. Yeah. So the seat's not on the field anymore. It's not necessarily on the field. It's been it's been okay. Been pushed in. All right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right, guys. What do the Reds have to do in LA this week? Like, the Reds in, in recent years have had some somewhat success in LA. Got the four game sweep. What was that back in 2021? They're game and a half out. They play one of the best teams, the hottest team in National League, maybe in Major League Baseball, in the Los Angeles Dodgers. How important is it to get back on the winning side of things and win a series? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it'd be great. We're a game and a half back. Um, the Brewer schedule doesn't get any easier. Obviously, ours doesn't either going to, you know, L.A., but we have a chance to really gain, a, gain some ground here with them in Atlanta. I, I mean, the Dodgers have a good pitching staff, no matter who they're putting out there, but um, it seems like we got lucky again. With, with, three, with three Dodgers pitchers that, that aren't at the top of their rotation. So if Williamson keeps pitching the way he does, we always win on Luke Weaver night and then Ashcraft in game three. <laughs> I think we could sweep him. I agree. I, I think the Reds, like Jacob said, the Reds have been lucky <laughs> over the course of this season with facing the bottom three of a pitching staff. I, I hate to say this, and I hate to keep playing like 500 ball, but win a game. I, if you win a game in L.A., I'm not mad about it. No fan in Cincinnati is mad about it. It keeps you in the hunt still. Just win one baseball game against the, against the Dodgers. I, I'm saying this with all sincerity about it, it feels like every time that we talk about the Reds and what they got to do in the upcoming series. Reds talk a big game. They say, the Brewers stink. We're so much better than the Brewers. Ten and, or three and ten against the Brewers over the season series. Every time I ask what the Reds need to do in a series against a team, it's it, it's just don't get swept. That's all. That's all people say. It's just big series coming up. Just please don't get swept. Please if the don't Cubs get out. If the Cubs didn't of it. get swept, they may be in first in the NL Central. That's that's one hundred percent true. 
The Reds, the, the the Cubs, I'm pretty sure have a winning. They're a game under 500, and they have won way more series than they've lost. The problem is, is when they lose series, they get swept, and it's very damning. The Reds' schedule for the next couple of weeks is pretty easy, right? So they go to Chicago, easy victory. Uh, they have the Nationals, and then the Marlins and Pirates, and then the gar- two games at the Guardians too. I think those that's a very very winnable stretch. If I lose if I lose two or three to the Dodgers in LA, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It doesn't it doesn't hurt us in the long run. The Reds have done a good job winning games that they should win. Correct. Like we're we're losing to That's teams true. that are better that than us. True. We're losing to teams that are kind of a coin flip, but we're winning the games we should win. So post trade deadline Cubs, who knows what that roster really looks like? I mean that could there's a chance that roster is completely gutted. And we're we're playing a shell of the current Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I told you guys this before the before the show starts. I I wish that the Red Series against the Cubs was just one series sooner, four games, because game one's on the 31st, game two is after the deadline already came and passed. If they could have just at least seen two games in that series before the deadline, it would just just give up so much more smoke. You could see through what the Cubs' plan is, and they're... The Cubs have won, what, six in a row? They're one game under 500. they They're four and a half games back behind the Reds and five and a half games or six games back from the, the division lead. I don't have the standings right in front of me. And it's no one knows what's going to happen. It could go either way. You could see them buying. You could see them selling. It, who knows? This, this Cubs team could look vastly different next week against the, against the Cincinnati Reds. But you got Brandon Williamson, who's been throwing well, to face against Bryce Miller. Then you got Dreamweaver. Reds don't lose on Dreamweaver night. That's true, Reed. The Reds have never lost on Dreamweaver night, and I know they lost that one time, but you got to forget that one. He got hurt. He got I hurt. think the mic's off. Mic's off? Yep, your mic's off. You got to <laughs> unplug and plug it back in. <laughs> yeah. Move it. Now, check in. Yeah, yeah you're, you're good. good. You're good. Okay. See, now that was mid shit. Okay. It's, it's off again. Now it's, it's off again. again. Now it's can off you, again. Elliot, can you I'm figure it out? I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. We need, a, we need to Hold replace it. this XLR. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> it's this either that or it's the mic itself. Yeah, it might the be the mic, mic itself. Hello? Oh. Can you hear me? We hear yep. you. Loud and clear. I'm going to take this off. Okay. So uh, can I get back into character now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So the Reds don't lose on Dreamweaver night. And that's a fact. They scored 10 runs and the only loss. And he also exited with an injury. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why it happens. He's a 7-2 ERA and 17 starts. He has started the most games out of anybody on this staff. He has won the most games than anybody on this staff. Not record-wise, but, you know, in the, in the large scheme of things, the Reds win the most when he's pitching. I don't know what the Reds do after the deadline, but do you get rid of Luke Weaver? Yeah, I hope. So. Do you get rid he's of Luke the Weaver? Last, he's the bottom of the barrel right now. Are you insinuating that there's that Luke Weaver – has some voodoo magic that yeah i am i am <laughs> let me ask you this you don't you don't think that comes into play when when nick crawl is looking at this at this starting rotation I that the reds not. do not lose I even though not. he gives up 10 runs and uh, 10 runs an outing if it does if that is crossing nick crawl's head i take back everything i've said about nick crawl come on guys i mean that's ridiculous there's nothing to it nothing there's nothing to it zero paul help me out i mean there's a sample size to it wins not all they do is win for three months, that's all they've done is win. If you're going to the deadline and you're going to try to get like a James Paxton, right? You're trying to get like what Reed said, a Rich Hill, an old veteran that's just <laughs> that's that's just trying to eat innings. Luke Weaver's your guy because even though he's again 
horrendous. He's the worst pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. They don't lose when he pitches. I'd rather have that than 4.6 ERA, 45-year-old Rich Hill Luke, come waddling out there. Nick Kirby Luke wants Weaver. to know why wouldn't you move Weaver to the pen? Well, then you lose all his magic. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, can't do, you can't do Luke, that. Luke you Weaver, can't do that. Luke Weaver coming out of the bullpen in a one-run game in the seventh. Don't like my chances there. The Luke Don't like it at all. Luke Weaver opening for Nick Lodolo, who can't pitch a full game, and you get four and then three out of Lodolo. There's seven innings. Oh, the, boy. And here's the strategy with Luke Weaver. You know he's given up ten within the first four innings. That means you have five innings to work back into the game to score more runs. If you're doing it in the seventh, the Reds don't have enough time to work the magic to come back. <laughs> and if this city was smart enough, they would do what I've been doing every time Dreamweaver pitches and just not betting on the Reds until the second inning. That's right. And making infinitely more money. So in the end, he's helping the GDP of the city. All this man does <laughs> is benefit the Queen City. I, I just don't, like, I think there is something to it. I don't know why. I know it's stupid. I know there's literally no number to back, back up my take. The only thing I have is that they quite literally don't lose when he pitches. They don't. They don't lose. He's horrible. He's going to give up 10 runs. Doesn't matter. The Reds offense always knows they need just a couple more runs. The adrenaline rush of needing just one more is always in the back of their mind when he pitches. You know what this is like? Sling it my way, Big Pimpin. It's like Tebow mania. <laughs> right. He's not good, but they're just winning. Kind of is. Dreamweaver, Tim Tebow, reincarnate? Maybe. Maybe. Could be. Time to start the dialogue that Luke Weaver's the leader of this team, and we don't need Jonathan to do. Ooh. I don't hate that one. I don't hate that take. So. I don't love it. Jacob brought up an excellent point. I was watching Chatterbox Reds yesterday with with Nick and Trace, and they were talking. when we lose. I've noticed a trend here. You're not in there on wins. Listen. There was a 12-game stretch where I didn't see a whole lot of Reed Mouse earlier this year. Listen. Yeah. I ain't got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. There's there's I normally put in a smiley face or something like that when the when the when the Reds yeah. lose just to just to get the chat moving. But, you know, Nick brought up the point that Nick Lodolo probably is going to come back to what? September? Late August, right? And even when he comes back, are you really going to want to push him? You know, this is an arm that is on the long-term plan of the Reds. So if you don't want to push him, and he comes back in September. A lot of talk has been talk, has been brought up about the Reds need to get a left-handed arm for the bullpen. Could Nick Lodolo be that arm that you're talking about? Is that completely – I mean, it, we're not talking about him opening. We're not talking about him throwing three innings at the beginning of the game. I'm talking about bringing him in the sixth inning against the left-handed side of the plate for – you know, you, you face a couple lefties, got to face three batters at least. Could he be the left-handed arm out of the pin? You're not moving Andrew Abbott to the bullpen. So he is, without a doubt, the best left-handed arm in your organization that has, that's available for that role, in my opinion. I mean, he, he can come in. You, you can say what you want about Nick Little to start this year, but when he is healthy, you trust him on the mound. You, you do. I mean, yeah, his stuff is absurd. He's proven it. So if you can use him for an inning, two innings, I mean, maybe work him up to three if pitch counts are low – he can be really good and really useful to this team as a reliever. <laughs> I'm just reading through the chat right now. I was reading it too. I I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving this. You're welcome for demonstrating which, which hand is my left hand. Elliot, would you like Nick Lodolo coming out of the pim? Yeah, I would. I would. I, I don't want him starting. I would rather have a, brand, a healthy Brandon Williamson in a playoff game start, even if they go uh, a bullpen game. You know what I mean? 
if it's just minimal work. I'd rather see Brandon Williamson come out there, a healthy Brandon Williamson, than a coming-off injury Nick Lodolo. I think Nick Lodolo in September, October, assuming the Reds were to make a postseason run, I think a two-inning two outing, a one-inning outing, where he's just throwing his dirtiest stuff, I think that's beneficial to this team as of right now. Because I do think with Hunter Green, Andrew Abbott, Graham Ashcraft, those are three gems right there, right? The way Williamson's been pitching, you have to throw him into that mix. I agree. Like, I you agree. have a, a really solid rotation. Ben Lively has been a serviceable player. Ben Lively, I imagine, would move. Well, I see. I'm trying to make a take here, and I'm just seeing Reed laugh in the corner. I'm laughing because everyone's. I mean, I can't defend this shirt, guys. I mean, it is so wrinkly. I pulled it out. I didn't realize how wrinkly it was. It was hanging. It was hanging. So it shouldn't be this wrinkly. But I, I grabbed it. Put it on, got to the office today, looked down, and I was like, yeah, that ain't good. Reed, when you wake <laughs> up in the morning. Yeah, sling it my way. And you know that you have to come in here and host the show and, and sit up there camera. and just get berated for yeah. two hours. <laughs> yeah. What goes through your head when love your feet it. hit the floor in the morning? Love it. Because you know why? Because I'm a self-centered man. I love my ego needs everything to be about me. So even if you are berating me, at least I'm the center of attention. At least I'm in the middle. So you guys are giving me what I want. Keep on berating me. So that's why I don't, I don't listen. I have, I have been told that I'm the worst human being for most of my life from my dad, from my wife. I'm I'm just, I'm just the boy who just keeps getting berated and that's okay. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. That's a berated boy. Do we need to have a positive, so, some positive Do I need therapy? For Reed? Probably. Mm. Let's all, let's all give Reed one compliment. Let's, let's all say yes. one nice thing about Reed Mouse. Let's, Jacob. Go let's go around the room. Jacob, we'll start with you. <laughs> Gosh. We'll start with Elliot. Okay. Reed's <laughs> smile is nice Thanks. when he's not being a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, thou giveth and thou taketh away. We don't have to do this, guys. So the Reds. <laughs> I don't, we don't need to go around the room. You know, that's what I don't want. I was just going to compliment your shorts. If the chat saw how short my shorts are today. How about you stand up, Reed? Reed. How about you stand up? Because that's really what everybody wants to know. Today. Stand up, Reed. Oh, I mean, Reed. They're not even getting to the desk. Oh, Reed. Oh, no. Oh, hang on. Oh, Reed. Oh, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> Those are painted on, brother. <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't be wrapped around your thigh that tight. <laughs> I mean, what is that? Are you getting circulation? Are you okay, Reed? <laughs> I've got big legs, guys. I got big legs. I'm not. I'm gonna. Do it. I'm gonna show them off. I'm gonna show them off. Proud of them boys. I'm big quad. <laughs> you, 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 don't see, you don't see Spencer Strider <laughs> wearing Prince Fielder pants. He ain't wearing pajamas out there. I'm gonna show them bad boys off. I half of the comments that are ever put in the chat about me are. About my physical appearance, about what I'm wearing that day, and it's getting to me a little bit. It's getting to me just a little bit. Not enough to to make sure that the shirt I'm wearing is is ironed and not have a billion wrinkles in it, but it's getting to me just a little bit. And I appreciate you guys. I you might not want to check the last thirty seconds of the chat. Read those are your wife's shorts. I'm calling the FCC nine one. It ain't like Reed. Oh my gosh, grape smugglers. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mr. Hydro Girl. Thank you, that one guy, 15. Guys, back to baseball. Before I get into a piece that the, the Reds have been linked to last night, um, according to Fangraphs, 
playoff odds, the Reds have about a 30% chance of making the postseason. 29.2%. They have a 15% chance to win the division. And they have about a 13% chance to clinch a wild card spot. And a reminder, the Reds have a 15% chance to win the division. The Cubs got an 11% chance to win the division. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't count them out. Every time I do this on the show, they rattle off like six straight losses. So who cares? Who cares? <laughs> who cares? You don't care. You don't I care at all. Don't care at all. It's just it's about some gosh darn game. It's about my life. Eduardo Rodriguez. The lefty from the Detroit Tigers has been linked that the Reds are going to be looking at him. This year, he has pitched in 15 games. He's got a 2.95 ERA, a 2.3 baseball war, or baseball reference war, B war. 6-5 and five record. He strikes out just over how many innings he pitches? 91 strikeouts, 88 in the third innings pitch. So gets plenty of strikeouts. He makes this team the team to beat in the, in the Central. I think we talked about him a while ago when we were really starting yep. the trade talks, and, and he would be the best-case scenario, um, I, I think, uh, at the trade deadline. I understand that the, the years of control are kind of uh, warped because he does have an opt-out, so, so you don't really control him after this year. Right. But, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is there a chance you could talk him into opting in? I mean, this team's special. You can get him for two years. I, I think so. Let me put it this way. Eduardo Rodriguez, unless he continues doing what he does and has a sub-3 ERA this year, and he's due 18 million next year. Is his market that much greater now? I mean, contracts are inflating. Is he a 25 million a year contract guy? Maybe. Maybe someone can convince him to. Can, can he could convince a team to take him for that? But 18 million seems about fair for what Eduardo Rodriguez is. So if you're a competing team, young team that is going to compete for a while, as the Cincinnati Reds are, there's a compliment. I don't think it's that hard of a I don't think it's that hard to 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 push him in. Granted he's gonna be thrown in Great American Small Park, but who knows? Does Eduardo Rodriguez make this team the team to beat in the division, Elliot? No, I don't think so. I, I think right that's now that's the Cubs, right? Oh my god, the shtick doesn't stop. Listen, Reed, I'm trying to make a valid point here, guy. Come on now. Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez would certainly help this team. I don't think he's the answer. One guy does not make this team the best team in the division. One arm does not do that. If I'm going to be honest, I expect a reliever. I expect a left-handed reliever to, to, to come to Cincinnati. I don't know who that would be, but I think we're going to get one left-handed reliever and no starting pitching. I think the starting pitching right now is serviceable enough to last through the end of the season into the postseason. I really do, because you don't need five guys when you're in the playoffs, right? You need three, four guys. So I think our, our top four, when Hunter Green is healthy, if Hunter Green is healthy, and maybe potentially Nick Lodolo, I think we are just as good without Eduardo Rodriguez at this point than with him. So I think the answer at the deadline, the, the thing that would help this team, a left-handed reliever, maybe another, maybe another right-handed reliever, just something to give some of these guys – more breaks because we talked about it yesterday a little bit you know Diaz is Diaz is getting tired Diaz needs just a week of no pitching at this point he, he looks he looks fatigued out there he's hitting guys he's walking guys he's giving up hits he gave up three straight hits against the first game in, in, in the first game in Milwaukee I think another reliever would be the key I don't think starting pitching right now is the key I've changed my mind on that and we keep we keep alluding to the fact that the Cincinnati Reds regardless of if they make a move for a pitcher at this trade deadline 
They're getting three arms back before the end of the season. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, presumably, and presumably TJ Antone. All these three arms can make a significant impact. Perhaps more so than any arm that they'd get at the deadline. I truly have no idea in which direction the Reds are going to go. It seems like they're shopping Jonathan India around. If you had me, well, we know that that's happening. If you had me place a bet, I don't think the Reds make a single move. I truly don't. But I've been wrong oftentimes. And I think, it would be okay. I think it would be okay if they didn't. I don't think, and Jacob and I have kind of been riding this stick, not stick, but riding this point for the past two weeks or so. I don't think it's a good move to go all in for this season. But like Reed just said, I mean, you have three guys that could make this team a legitimate contender in the postseason. Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, and then uh, TJ Antone would seriously help this team. Vladimir Gutierrez, is he supposed to return as well? Uh, yes, they said they expect him back in September, but he will be a reliever, which is a great boost which because great. what he was as a starter, he did eat innings. Correct. So if he can come in and be a three-inning reliever, I mean, that's exactly what we need. So the Reds can stay true here. They can, the offense is good enough. Don't need anybody in the lineup. So if you're going to do anything, it would be a left-handed reliever. That's my only play. That's my only guess if they were to make a move, which, which brings me to my next point. I don't think they, they're going to trade Jonathan India. They might do it in the offseason, but I, I don't think there's a move that would – Jonathan India has value. Despite what this Reds fan base thinks of him, he has value in Major League Baseball. Teams want Jonathan India. Fan bases want Jonathan India. But I don't think what you're going to get at the deadline is equivalent to the value of Jonathan India. I'm not going to trade Jonathan India for a, a middle-aged, middle reliever that – just has a left hand, which makes him valuable. And that's where I completely disagree. Like, I, I was, don't, you don't need to make a move. You don't need to make a move. Sit on the roster the whole time. I think you absolutely cannot leave the trade deadline with Jonathan India on your team this year. You can't do it. It's imperative you move him. Once you make him available and let the teams know that he's not in your offseason plans, number one, it opens the door to not play him every day, which I don't expect. If he's on this Reds team after the trade deadline, he will not play every day like he did in the first half. It just won't happen. And Noel de Marte will come up probably this year, I think. And if he doesn't come up this year, it will be strictly because Jonathan India is on this team. Jonathan India sitting on the bench and not playing second base or even DHing drives his value down every single day. He needs to be second base, a second baseman. We need to convince one of the 29 teams that he is a second baseman. That's the only way you can get anything back for him. So if it's, if it's not for someone that helps the major league team this year, trade him for prospects. I don't really care. He needs to be traded this, at the deadline. Here's an honest question, because if, if, if you look at some of these other teams, what they're throwing around, fan bases, I'm talking fan bases. If you, if you get on X.com and you get in these other fan bases feeds, they're throwing around ludicrous trades for Jonathan India. Jacob brought up one last night. Sandy Alcantara? I saw a Marlins Twitter page tweet Sandy for John for India. Baseball trade values has completely warped every like regular citizen's ability to comprehend trades. Well, I don't think I don't think it necessarily has to do with baseball trade values because they do overinflate Jonathan India on that website. But I feel like he he's been the face of the Cincinnati Reds for the past two years. He was the rookie of the year when you when most teams when most other teams think of the Cincinnati Reds and they say name one player. Most fan bases, the first name that will come up is Jonathan India or Ellie De La Cruz. Those are one and one. Joey Votto's right there. But Jonathan India is one of the first names that come up. The question I'm asking is it's not, 
it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to think that the, the, the franchises are as fooled as the fan bases are, right. right? Like, the franchises know what Jonathan India is, and that is a not very good second baseman with, a, with an above-average bat at the second base position, but an average bat to below-average bat in the corner outfield position. So, once again, we're circling, we're running our tires in the mud on what is Jonathan India's trade value? And I made the point earlier that if you made me put money on it right now, I think that the Reds won't make a move. I should backpedal that a little bit. I think that there will be, in some essence, a move made, but I don't think it moves the needle at all. I mean, we're talking an aged reliever for a nothing, pro like like a low A, not a high ceiling, just, just something, right? That's the only move that I see. I don't think there's going to be a big splash by the Cincinnati Reds at all. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But the question... The question that Evan Marr, no one's answering Evan Marr on this because he's he's spamming the chat. He's I mean, spamming the Discord. Him. He's spamming the, the X.com. Why are people pushing for Jonathan India to be traded in the offseason? How does that make more sense than now? I don't think rushing to make a move just for the sake of rushing him so that another player behind him can get here, I don't think that's going to get the best deal possible for Jonathan India. I don't think it will. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe Jacob's right. Maybe just Noelvi getting here is worth him being off the team. Even without Noelvi, though, this team, current, the current roster is better without Jonathan India in the lineup with Steer at third and CES or Votto at first. Yeah, and, and, and that's fair. And I think Jonathan India certainly doesn't help himself defensively. Yesterday I saw one of the worst throws to first base, perhaps in the history of the sport. Jonathan India grounded a ball 15 feet left of first base. So I don't know. I, I, I think rushing to move a guy for the sake of rushing him I don't think you're going to get the best value. I don't. So I would wait to the offseason, let Nick Crawl stew on it a little bit, let him work his magic, get crawled, right? But there's leverage right now. Right. You lose so that's, all your leverage. If you you lose all your leverage if you wait to the offseason. So this is where the Reds would get the most value. But I think he's in the biggest slump of his, of, of his career if, right If now. you can recognize... Do you think it's going to get better him not playing every day? Well, I think the hope of next season... Would, would help teams rationalize trading for Jonathan India, who is, again, playing horrible baseball. There's a reason that, that all of these trades happen at the end of July and not in the offseason. It's because they have the most value now. And that's fair. And that's fair. I just think that rushing to get rid of him for a couple pitching prospects right now doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or, or rushing him to get a middle-aged reliever. If you can recognize that Jonathan India is better than his current numbers and he's slumping and, you know, all the stats, he's an unlucky player, don't you think one of the other 29 teams can recognize that too? It's fair. Like, it's fair if point. it is just a slump and, and he is this, this, you know, beneficial player that has a ton of value, can't other teams see that? I mean, we have analytics departments. Every team has an analytics department. Like, it, it, the slump does not matter. I, the less he plays second base, the more his value decreases. And that, I mean, that's a fact. And he can't play second base every day if this team wants to win. It's fair. I, I, I would wait till the offseason. That's everybody else's call, though. Everybody has an opinion. I don't think India has traded at the deadline. Do you? No. That's my point. I, I think that they should be, but I don't, I don't think, think that will. he is. And that's what I said. I don't think any big splashes are going to happen here in the next few days. India would be a big splash regardless of the return. Correct. Right. Correct. India getting traded would be a big splash. Getting a starting pitcher that, that can bolster the rotation would be a big splash. Getting... A think, getting, a, getting a middle-aged reliever, I would not say is a big splash. Do you think it affects the team at all? 
Honest, this is an honest question. So yeah, people keep bringing up the Josh Hader thing and that the Brewers seem to have seemingly imploded, right? I, I'm, I'm recalling yeah. history, right? They imploded after they traded their, their star closer, one of the best closers in the league, mid-season last year. I don't know. I, I and, and we keep going back. This is this is where we keep circling the, the, the tires. Not only his trade value, but what is his value to this team? And everyone keeps pointing. He's the leader of this team. He's the leader of this team. But you can't quantify that. And it's a it, it's truly a wait-and-see thing. That you've got to be okay with the outcome. Do or die, Jonathan India, if you're going to trade him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in the clubhouse every day. Those guys are. They know what Jonathan India brings to the team. And, and if you ask the players, they're going to say, yeah, we don't want Jonathan India gone. He's my teammate. I don't want to see him traded, moved to another city. No one wants that. But if you ask them subconsciously, if is the locker room going to change? Is the vibe in the locker room going to change? And the dugout going to change if Jonathan India leaves? Who knows? I do think it's funny, though, how last year, Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson were the future. They were the future of this franchise, the future of the team, future of the fan base. They're the two worst players on the team, objectively. So I, I, I just think it's how, how far we've come. How far we've come, I, I, I'm excited for Ellie. I'm excited for Matt McClain, Andrew Abbott, all these guys, Strand, right? But I do think it's, it, it just goes to show, you know, in baseball, it just goes away so quickly. Tyler Stevenson, Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India were going to be my favorite players. They're, I would say they're not going to be a part of the future for very long. I, I still think Tyler Stevenson is. Yeah, he's still a catcher. Yep. Still he's, a catcher. And he's a league average hitting catcher. He's the exact, you know, 88's league average WRC plus for catchers, and he's right 87. And, and you know he can do better. And he's getting better behind the plate. In a whole offseason at, at catch. catcher, you know, he'll continue to improve. I, I still have faith in Tyler Stevenson. You know, it's funny. People keep bringing up this Josh Hader thing, and we, we talk about – and they use it to, to support that they shouldn't trade Jonathan India because you don't know what – how the locker room's going to react to that move. Are we reading too much into what happened to the Brewers last year? That a closer? A guy that sits away from the rest of the team the, every game? For the entirety of the game? Is him leaving is the reason that, oh man, morale's just so low. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's not so much the player themselves getting traded as it is the fact that that player got traded. Like, seeing that player gone from your team, maybe you don't interact with them as much, maybe you, you know, don't have as much to do because that player's in the bullpen or, you know, that player sits at this side of the bench and hangs out with this group of three people. But just knowing in the back of your head that, oh, we don't have our all-star reliever or, oh, we don't have, you know, it's not the case necessarily in Jonathan India because he's not an all-star. He's not having the type of season, I guess, that would be indicative of keeping him around for the long term. But sometimes you do. I do wonder if it. I. You've heard my rant. I don't. They're professional. I don't believe. Yeah, I don't believe nearly as much in the disrupting the locker room from a chemistry standpoint. I more so think that sometimes players can get frustrated with the front office's decision to trade a player because the front office thinks that that move is the right move, but they're not in the clubhouse every day. They don't know the dynamic. You know, Nick Crawl might know what on paper needs to happen, but Nick Kroll isn't in that clubhouse every single day. He's around the team. I'm not denying that, but he's not in the clubhouse every day. He's not in the dugout. He doesn't know the dynamics. He doesn't know how all that's going on day in and day out. He's smart enough to know to get reports from David Bell, 
But sometimes I wonder if that's where the team gets disrupted is just in the fact that the trade happened and the team is upset because that talent is off the team. More so than the actual player or the friend. That they almost feel like they're betrayed, right? By, yeah, kind of. front office. Yeah, I would say so. That the, that the front office didn't have as much confidence in that position or in that player or whatever it might be because they just went and decided to get rid of him. Such as getting rid of Alexis Diaz, which I think would be a horrific decision now. I know I'm. there are people that are not in that camp, but I, I think that would be a terrible decision to trade him because if you're a player and you think to yourself, all right, we don't have a great bullpen, but we at least got something going on. He's tired right now. Maybe the bats give him a rest over the next few days. But let's let's stick with the the good things that we have. Why are we getting why are we getting rid of the good things that we have, even if you might not be friends with them necessarily? That doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean you actively dislike them. Just more so means, hey, let's have some confidence in the skill that we have at, at our best positions. I think trading Alexis Diaz would rock the locker room much more than trading Jonathan India. I agree yeah. with that. I think uh, like, that's, I, that's throwing, that is objectively throwing in the towel on trying to win this year. Yeah. I'm not saying we need to go all in. I've never said that, but it, there's, there's a degree where you have to start thinking about, we are playing for a playoff spot. Do these guys have more value to, value to the Cincinnati Reds than they do in their potential return? Like I said with Jonathan India, I don't believe so. Diaz is locked up for years to come. So he, he will be here contributing when this Reds team is really in the thick of trying to win. The, the, guys, the other guys I'm talking about are like Nick Senzel and Kevin Newman. I mean, we're, we're getting single A, you know, lottery ticket prospects for those guys. Are, are their matchup bats, Nick Senzel's versatility, Kevin Newman's bat against a left-handed pitcher? Are that, is that more valuable to the Reds than a, than a single A pitcher five years away that, that might be really good? Right. Probably. And that's where, like, I maybe maybe somebody can in here can help me out. I We'd get, love to. I get that you're. Thank you, Reed. I, I get that you're trying to build for the future. I I 100% understand it. It's what go, good organizations do. It's what the Tampa Bay Rays have been doing. It's what the St. Louis Cardinals have been doing. It's what the Atlanta Braves have been doing. It's the best. The the, 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 the excuse me. The Los Angeles Dodgers have been doing. The best franchises in Major League Baseball have been doing this. But there also is a time where you have to. And I guess it's different with a small market team. But when there's the opportunity to win now, you have to take it. I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that what the Orioles did last year was wrong. Is it, am I getting proven wrong by them? Absolutely. But I still believe it, right? I still think if you have the opportunity, I still think if you have the opportunity to win, and, you have a, and the Reds have a significant chance, 30% chance, to make the postseason, I think it's honestly higher than that. You have to take it. I think trading Alexis Diaz, trading guys that have value to this current team for the future, I think that can significantly hurt not only the, the fan base, I, I think it can hurt the morale in the, in the, in the clubhouse. I know it's, I, again, I know I could be proven wrong on this, but I do think there's a point where you have to weigh the, weigh the, uh, weigh the choices of let's go all in for the future or let's go kind of in for now and also play the future game. Because if you're trading Alexis Diaz, you are tanking this season and you are just hoping that someone in the future can help you out. I think 90% of Reds fans are against trading Alexis Diaz. Right. I would 90 to 95. Yeah, you'd get a hell of a haul for one of the best closers in baseball with a lot of years of control left. But, like you guys said, thrown in the towel. Back to the Jonathan India talk. And saying, and I think Nick Kirby brought this up about talking about how the morale changes, and there's ten guys that want Jonathan India's job. 
if Jonathan India leaves this team, and we're talking about, wow, how's the locker room going to react to Jonathan India? Who's going to be upset that Jonathan India is gone? Right. Who? Jonathan India. <laughs> See, that's an honest question. Who? Because the, the numbers are few. Ellie moves to a position he's more comfortable in. McLean moves to a position that he played better in the minor leagues. Steer doesn't have to play first, which he's obviously uncomfortable with. You take him out of the left field rotation more often, which he looks lost in left field more often than not. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that's the type of all-in move for this year that I, that I like, is, is trading Jonathan India, even for prospects, because that, that's making the team better tomorrow. The other thing with India is he keeps saying, he keeps saying he wants to be here, he wants to be here, he wants to be here. He has never even insinuated he'll play somewhere other than second base. You don't really want to be here that bad then. I, I mean, that's where I'm at with that. The team gets better. That's the point. Out of everything that Jacob just said, and he's made this point before, but let's hammer it home. If Jonathan India leaves the Reds tomorrow, is the roster better? Is the everyday lineup better without Jonathan India in it? If the answer is yes then the vision's clear. Smell you later, Jonathan India. <laughs> I mean, that was – what a disrespectful <laughs> way to end this conversation. <laughs> See, let's take later. a ham and eggers on this one. Before Smell we get you this. later? What are we doing? <laughs> that, I thought you were getting honest there. I thought we were going to have a deep conversation. Smell Jacob, you later. Jake has been making good points, and Reed whispers into the mic, <laughs> Smell you later. What are we doing? That was great. I so, loved it. so disrespectful. Because Jonathan Indy – Jonathan India is stinkier than Stinky Barrera. So we will smell him later. That's such a lie. Trace and you, you guys know that Jose Barrero is not as good as Jonathan India. You guys know this. And I'm not going to hear anything about it. I mean, a Jose Barrero couldn't hit a baseball. Literally couldn't hit a baseball. Drew zero walks. Struck out every single at bat. And I don't think his fielding was that good, if I'm going to be completely honest. Better than Jonathan India's. Well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> respectfully to jump my guy, John, I'm a better fielder at second base right now. In my current state than Jonathan India is. So, yeah, whatever. Reed, great, great way to end that. You're welcome. Mr. President, <laughs> take it away. Ham and Eggers, Mr. President. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, we've talked about Joe Burrow and the Bengals a little bit here. So the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's right. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There's also a new premium alkaline water Back to drinking it again. This is great. We love it. Got got another delivery of it. Uh, it's Pawnee, and it is the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy it. Premium alkaline water, unlike the artificial processing that many of those other brands use, and they call it, as we do, the best tasting water in the world. PawneeWater.com. Uh, drink Pony Water, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Bedfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore. Tom was originally supposed to be back tomorrow. He will not be back tomorrow, which means you got this cast of characters until next Tuesday? Nope. 
until when? When KZ? Wednesday the 9th. Wednesday the 9th, Tom Brenneman returns. August 9th. So you got us, a rotating cast of characters, which actually Jacob will... Jacob will be gone tomorrow. Jacob, your last day is tomorrow. Tomorrow is my last day. Tomorrow is your last day. You're heading back to Tuscaloosa on Monday. Have you decided Sunday. about Sunday? Morning. Oh, you, so you you no skip you skip the Oppenheimer. No Oppenheimer. So does that mean Jacob hosts tomorrow? Yes. Jacob hosts. Yes, Jacob. Hosts. Yes, Jacob. All right, all right. If the people want it, people host. You've also got to do the summer summer chat power rankings. Of course. The definitive summer list. We've been working on those for weeks. I now, think we're so. gonna have a Mac on the mic uh, next Friday. It's just going to be Casey and I next Thursday and Friday. Reed's going to be gone. Elliot's going to be gone. Jacob's not going to be with us anymore. Trace and Sean are going to be gone. Be alive. Like, well, I'm not going to be with you anymore. No, like, he's going to be gone. Dead, dead, to, uh, dead to us. Yeah, I guess you're dead right to us. No, you're gone forever. Yeah, you're gone forever. Smell you. So it's just going to be. It's just going to be. It's just going to be Casey and I next Thursday and Friday. Maybe we get it. Maybe we we'll get a little Mac on the mic on Friday. Of course. I would love to see Mac on the mic. It's been a long time coming. It has it's been, been. It's been in the works the for build, a long the time. The build-up. The anticipation. I, I just got a really important job here. And I got to make That's sure I, I, I elevate the talent around me, make sure that everything you works that. here. So You do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, Casey, do you have that? This was a fun – so has there ever been an athlete in the city of Cincinnati – that has 180'd his public persona as much as Joey Votto. No one knew what Joey Votto's personality was like seven, eight years ago, except for obviously his teammates and stuff like that. And, and to be honest, if you asked Cincinnati fans, what, how would you describe Joey Votto's personality? If you asked Cincinnati fans back in 2015, 2016, they'd say, uh, probably a little standoffish. Um, you don't hear a lot of them. Pretty quiet. And... In the twilight of his career, the guy's turned into a big old goofball. And it's fantastic. Please watch this interview between Mad Dog and Joey Votto. It's fantastic if you haven't seen it. A couple of months ago, you said that Zach Greinke and I are a hall of very good ball players. I think Zach and I would agree. You may be right. But I get the gist of what's going on here. I know what you're doing. You're looking down on us. A couple small market. Midwest ball players, just because we're not big city, just like you, Mr. New York City, Sirius XM radio star, Mr. National Television, ESPN star, with your Fifth Avenue ties and your crisp pocket squares, your tailored suits and your polished shoes and your hair, your perfectly coiffed Broadway hair. Must be nice to sit atop that Madison Avenue ivory tower, looking down on us with those luscious locks. Not everyone can be the next Roger Peckinpah, Mad Dog. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a disgrace. A couple of months ago, you said that. That is absolutely fantastic television from Joey Votto. He does bits better than me and Elliot. Yeah, he does. The one where he was on uh, Intentional Talk, where he was as the roadie or the uh, as the Canadian. What's the Canadian thing? The Mount, the Mountie. Yeah, the Mountie. That was one of my favorite bits. I I think Reed's right. I don't think there's a, a, an athlete that has changed his public persona. And for so long, people have hated him and said, you know, he's not a Hall of Famer because of that, right? Right. And he doesn't right. come in for, He doesn't get in front of the mic. That nobody really knows who he is. But I think now we, he's just a silly goose. And I love a silly goose more than anybody. His Gucci suit chest pictures over the offseason were just the absolute best. I mean, his social media has been the best follow. 
in the last, what, 18 months since he's taken this turn. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. I already loved Joey as the baseball player, so now I'm cementing himself as a Cincinnati off-the-field icon. Is even better. Yeah, his TikToks. He's just, he's just a goofball. My friends send that, that uh, gif of him chewing the bubble gum. That's a famous Cincinnati sports gift. That wasn't the only thing that happened on social media with Cincinnati athletes yesterday. So this actually dropped during the show, I believe, yesterday. What's the timestamp on that, Casey? 10-19. Uh, 10-19 yesterday. T. Higgins tweets out Jamar Chase. Holy. Speculation time. What does this mean? Um, I'm, I'm still holding out the hope I've had all offseason – the Burrow and T extension is going to be one post. We're getting one announcement, both of them, by the end of the weekend. Just them, like, you know, yep. going back to the memes, like the exactly the embrace, the immaculate. What, what, what's the, that, that meme has a name. I think it's like uh, the epic handshake. The epic handshake. We just got Joe and Jamar epic embrace because they both get extended at the same time. I hope so. I, I really do think once – I mean, Burrow has not talked about his contract much other than every single time he's asked about it saying that we will keep everyone. That's the only information he's giving us. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. My confidence skyrocketed after the the Justin Herbert deal. I mean, I thought his deal was going to be closer to 55, maybe even higher. And that since it was, you know, 52, 53, I, I'm, I mean, I'm over the moon excited about, about this group and I'm pretty sure they're all going to be back. It just can't be a, it just can't be a percentage. Cannot be a percentage. Cannot be a percentage of the payroll. Which the, I, I was looking into that last night. I don't think that's possible. You don't think no, that's legal? I don't think that's legal. legal. It's not legal. Yeah, you can't do that in the NFL. So, oh, great. We're it, talking it about that first. It would be a first, and the only reason why it's not legal is because the money changes every right. year. Well, I There's saw no that the, the Patriots were talking about it with Brady when he was there, and it was illegal then. That was the only article I could find that stri- like strictly said one way or the other. I would imagine there hasn't yeah. been a quarterback since that has even thing. had that conversation. Yeah, it's so, the same thing. Okay, yeah. Oh, well, that's fantastic because I was deathly worried about that very same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. Are we great all news. in agreement that longer the better, the more yes. years? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, okay. yes, yes. I've seen a, somewhat of a split on Twitter that you'd rather have a five-year deal, seven-year deal than a 10-year deal, and I just I, I don't understand that sentiment at all. So If I ever see Joe Burrow put on a different helmet, even if he's terrible at the end of his career, yeah. <laughs> like he's playing, he does the he does the Green Bay Packers thing and goes plays for the New York Jets. I'm gonna. I can't do yeah, that. I'll, I can't. I can't see that. Can't imagine it. I'll cry very real tears when it happens, but I, I do not think he retires his entire. I think he retires a Bengal. I don't think his whole career is here. I think he goes and takes a year or two in New Orleans. Oh, don't say that. Nola. Oh, yeah. At like 45. Yeah. At like 40, 45. Oh, like, no. Yeah. 45. 40, three Super 45. Bowls in. Three Super Bowls in. He goes 45 to 47 three. in New Orleans. You lowballing us over there? If Joe Burrow wins three Super Bowls in five years. <laughs> if Joe Burrow wins one Super Bowl, he can do whatever he wants. If Joe Burrow Eddie. doesn't win a Super Bowl in two years, what are we going to say about him? What are we going to say about question. him? That's in the question. next five years, have the Bengals won more than one Super Bowl? Have the Bengals, the Bengals, I, they win one. If, had, do the Bengals win, win a Super Bowl in the next five years? If we don't do win a Super Bowl in the next five years, we have missed the window. Yeah, we have missed the window. Do that, does it happen? Well, you can get renewal by Anderson to replace that window. That's, That's true. Point. For a billion dollars. Yeah. One billion. For one Joe Burrow contract. What costs more, Joe Burrow's contract or the quote? I got to bring. I think it's in my truck. The quote that I got from renewal by Anderson for one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars for Windows. Ludicrous. Ludicrous. From Jeff. 
Renewal by Anderson. Never get my business. Ah. You might say this is ludicrous, but Tayo Cruz, tell him how you feel. Nice. You like that? That was nice, you Elliot. You like that? Yeah. You like that? Sorry. <laughs> okay, so just triggered spe- me from speaking Kirk of, Cousins. <laughs> speaking of mid-2000s rappers, anyone can go to see Fitty this Saturday? Riverbend? No. Who? Fitty? Oh, boy. Oh. He needs money bad. <laughs> if he's back on tour, it's his he farewell needs money tour. Bad. It's his farewell tour. I is believe. it actually? I think so. Oh, it man. Is. Well, they, all these artists do. I mean, how many farewell tours have the Eagles done? They all do this. I yeah. read, will you read one page of a Harry Potter book? It's the best 50 cent video of all time. Yes. You know which band quietly rode off into the sunset? Sling it. Rascal Flats. They retired like three years ago, never making music again. Well, I've the, heard, the, the, I, the lead singer's still touring. Is he? Yeah, solo. Okay. They, they, don't, they, they need money. I've heard they were not a very good concert. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think Lizzie, Lizzie saw them multiple times and said she never had a great, like that they were just okay. She expected more. I don't know. I don't know what you're really expecting out of Rascal Flats, though. I like Rascal Life Flats. Life is a highway. Grah, That's what I'm song. expecting. I like Rascal Flats. If, if they stood on stage and sung Life is a Highway for 60 minutes, it'd be a great concert. <laughs> I mean, that song is so, oh, oh, Here's a song you never wait, heard wait, before. Wait. <laughs> La- last, year, last year at the Mason City Festival for the 4th of July, they brought in Smash Mouth. Yes. So me and a, a couple of friends went, and we just wanted to see a good fireworks show. They were doing a concert, whatever. They flew Smash Mouth in from California. They played a 80-minute set, probably. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer in All Star were the last two songs they played. I looked at my friend. I said, they could have just stood up there and played those two songs for the last hour and a half. The experience wouldn't have changed because those were the only two songs that people sang. I like, the whole crowd got up for about seven minutes. And the whole concert, they just kept saying, bear with us. Like, it's coming. It's coming. And then right before they po- played the fireworks, they played those two songs. That was it. They could have just played him for an hour and everybody would have been happy. I love Bob Dylan. He's one of my favorite music artists of all time. I think he's maybe the best writer that America has seen in the past hundred years. I saw him up at the phrase up in Dayton in 2016. And if you don't know about Bob Dylan, he made his best music back in 1960s and hasn't stopped making music since. It just he just he releases an album like every single year. So he probably has of thousands of songs and i sat there through that whole two-hour show and didn't know a single song uh, interjection read trey hendrickson one-year extension nice good big good. time big time big time that is big huge. time big huge news but, any any that's, other that's big <laughs> what, any once other? upon a time you dressed so fine through the bums of dime in your prime then you well so the punchline of this joke the, the punchline of this joke is he does hours and out like he did like a three-hour show and like an hour and a half in i hadn't heard a single song that i knew from bob dylan and he comes on the mic and goes all right i played a lot of my own new stuff how about a song you guys have heard before and he plays the song he just played he, he went back to back songs what yeah he said how about a song you guys have heard before and he played the exact same song Back to back. I mean, just the biggest troll job that has ever been troll jobbed at a concert. Bob Dylan, fantastic. Absolutely great. They just don't make 12-minute songs anymore like they used to. (laughs) Bob. Any other Bob Dylan fans? No? No? I'm not a Bob Dylan guy. Mm. I respect his work. I like his son's music. He played for the Wallflowers. Yeah. I like that. One headlight. One One headlight. One two headlights or one headlight? 
It was one headlight. One headlight. It was one headlight because it was this one song. They're one hit wonder, right? Yeah. It was a good song. Good song. It's a good song. You guys should listen to Bob Dylan. Yeah. All right, we got a few minutes. Do we have time to sneak in a grid? Yeah, we got time. We got time before Tracy gets in here? I mean, Tracy could just join us in the grid. That's true, too. Never had him on the grid before. Um, I don't like how the grid doesn't update until 9 a.m. now. I don't know Tracy if you've noticed Jones that. Yeah. What's the point of that? I don't know. I don't know. Like, you wake up, and you, you first thing you got to do is just check the grid. I, I was a grid with coffee guy. Now right. I can't even do it. Yeah, you got to wait till 9 a.m.? What's that about? They did. You, they did add the football and basketball ones. They did add the football and basketball ones. You need colleges for the football one to be good. It, just being the NFL teams is, you know. Yeah, is what it is. All right. Do we want to wait? No. Let's we, go. No. Let's, let's go. Let's go. I'll start it off with a. Uh, I feel like obviously the big the big forty home run seasons for the Giants are going to be Barry Bonds, Willie McCovey, Willie Mays. Put in Matt Williams. Friend of the show. Uh, 2003? Yes. 3%. 3%-er. Have, I, I'm, I'm not even... I think there's only been like two San Diego Padres that have ever hit 40 home runs. I'm not even kidding about that. Uh, I, I, I truly think that there's only been a couple of San Diego Padres that have ever hit 40 home runs, one of them being Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. So go, go ahead and put in Tatis Jr. There it is. Yeah, it's... 45. Huh. Gold glove, 40 homer season. Any other? Any former... Uh, anyone? I, I, I took two out there. I'm trying to think. Um, we're struggling. Jacob? Paul? No, no, no. I'm bad at these. Was Vladimir Guerrero a gold glover for the Angels? Uh, I don't know, but I've got a, I've got an Angel Padre. If you want to, if you want an Angel Padre, Cameron uh, Mabin. Cameron Mabin. One percent. One percenter. Nice. Like Tracy Jones. St. Louis and San Francisco. Did Alex Cobb play for the Cardinals? How about San Fran in uh, L.A. Angels? Alex Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> Shohei Otani. I got there eventually. Months. I got there eventually. Seven. Not bad. Uh, there's, there's a big name that has played for both. Uh, we, got, we got any chats. Jackson Profar? Did Profar play for Cardinals? Did Mike was... Leak pitch for the Giants and the Cardinals? I don't think so. I think he did. Let me see. I mean, Matt Carpenter played for Padres and Cardinals. Yeah, that's a good one. Do Mike? Do Carpenter? You're right. You reads right. St. Louis Giants. Well, I'm not right. Every Jack Butler Matt. keeps spamming it in there. So Matt Carpenter for Padres Cardinals. Yep. yep. Mike Leak. Mike Leak for Cardinals Giants. Matt Carpenter, yeah, and then Mike Leake. Right there. One percent. This is looking good, guys. And he's got a Reds hat on. Mike Trout for Angels Gold Glove. 
certainly right. Can we do better? But yeah, go ahead, we just throw it in better. Throw Maybe it in there. Are you <laughs> sure? We can we can I have no other names. Did Sean Figgins win a gold glove? I don't know who Sean Figgins is. Yeah, oh it man. Sounds like a cartoon. <laughs> Sean? It's not a real person. I mean he played for the Angels for like twelve years, stole sixty bases a year. Uh, no, he did not. Don't put in. Go ahead and put Mike Trout. He's won a gold glove. <gasps> he has not won a gold glove. <gasps> Yikes, not immaculate. That's tough. Well, that's tough, Elliot. guys. Elliot. Elliot. That's All right, well, X this out. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't it's matter. It's over. <laughs> I was going to say Omar for – or not Omar, uh, Ozzy for – St. Louis, how many people have done all Yeah, get it out of here. That's the best 10 minutes of podcasting every day. It is. It's, it's, it's great, but I enjoy doing it. So, shoey with you guys. Tracy's not in here yet? No, he's he's, he's in. He's right now. All right. He's coming in. Here he is. Tracy Jones, 29. The big 2-9. The best 30 minutes in television every Tuesday and Thursday. Mr. Jones, a.k.a. Mr. 2-9, a.k.a. Mr. Worldwide, a.k.a. Hawthorne, California. How's it going, Tracy? Good. I apologize. I'm late. I'm never late. You know, back in the minors, read you like this. Yeah. If you were late, now, now think about this. I was bringing home my first year in minor league baseball, $232. I was late seven minutes for a, for a practice before a game. Did they and I was fined seven dollars. <laughs> it was a dollar a minute every time you were late. So I owe you guys three bucks. Did you Put have to give tent. that to the manager? Do you give that to the organization? Who are you giving that money to? Great question. You just, it went to the manager and who in the hell knows where he, what he did. We probably went to a strip bar and we were in Tampa. So there were some really good strip bars. I don't know what happened to that, but back when the Reds, had all those really good young players, and it was such a strict organization. Reed, we'd get fined for, and I'm not exaggerating. I know sometimes I exaggerate on this show, but this is the truth. Being late, dollar a minute. Missing a cutoff man was $5. Not wearing underwear was $3. How would they know that? Not wearing that questions the manager, doesn't it? What's he look? He's not a meat gazer, is he? I mean, you got to call him. What are we doing here? You got paid dollars. A, a two dollars if you don't wear socks, and if you miss curfew, and you're not in your bed check, home or away, it was a hundred dollars. So if it was a hundred dollars every time you miss bed check, you spent about three thousand dollars a month on missed bed checks. Well, he, he, here's you know who my roommate was was Rob Dibble. So oh, needless no. to say. So here we go. So we're in Tampa, and Dibs and I are, I mean, we're out. I mean, we're running the streets really, really hard. He has more energy than any person I've ever been around. He's And a great guy, very generous. You wouldn't think that, but he's a really good guy. So our manager, Mark Bombard, comes and checks in at home, at home, to see if we are doing a bed check at 12 o'clock at night. Well, Dibs and I are out at some bar having a good time. He comes back the next day. I see our manager. He says, I just want you to know you got all the team together. He says, I'm going to find Dibble and I'm going to find Jones for missing curfew. I says, I swung by your apartment. You guys weren't there. I says, 
you're full of shit. I ain't paying it. I ain't paying that. I says, let me tell you something. I said, we're in first place. Uh, second of all, I'm leading the league in hitting. I'm leading the league in stolen bases. And that pitcher right there is the best pitcher in the league. And that was Dibs. I said, yeah. we're not paying it. And we didn't. We hey. didn't. When, when $100. You, I'm making $232. Come on now. So let me ask you the question. You're making $230 in the minors. You get yeah. called up to the show. What's the difference in pay? Well, when I got called up to the show, I, I like I said, I led the league in uh, average and stolen bases. I did it again in double A. And like each year I would get a $100 a month raise. That's really? what I would get. And so when I finally made it to the big leagues, the minimum salary for a big league player in 1986. Does anybody want to guess? Uh, Don't look it up. Is it like eighty thousand dollars? I don't know. Good, good. Sixty. Sixty. Sixty thousand dollars. But the baseball cards. You know how baseball cards were real popular back in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would get a check in spring training. I think one check was forty-seven thousand dollars. That's pretty from, cool. From the the baseball card company. Yeah, from Topps and Donruss and Fleer and all those those cards. So that Bowman, was upper deck, something. Right? And I never spent money, guys. I mean, I always saved my money. So that was a lot of money back in those days. Not like it is now. If you didn't spend money, how did you go to the casinos and strip clubs? Would they give you money to go there? Because you were well, such a celebrity? You know, I have to think about it. A lot of times we knew the doorman and we would snake in. It was really bad, especially in Montreal. Especially in Tampa. Tampa was a... I don't know if you guys have ever been to Tampa, but Tampa's a great place, great nightlife. Yeah, my sister just moved back up from Tampa. She's not much of a, she's not much of a partier, partier, Tracy. So we've been talking all show, the trade deadline, and we've asked you these questions before, but let's go a little deeper. A lot of talk's been talked about Jonathan India, and we know your take on it. As someone who's been in a clubhouse, how much merit is there to, to the quote-unquote leader if a guy like Jonathan India, who's been one of the more tenured guys on the team, who's been the face of the team for a couple years now, if he gets traded, how much merit is that it might kill a locker room, quote-unquote? I, I don't think it'll kill a locker room with this team. I mean, I, I know Jonathan India, people love him, but I just read something that Dylan Cease trade. Did you see that? Dylan Cease got traded? Every, but, no, no but that's a proposed trade. Oh, yeah, yeah. India, uh, Marti. And that really Nobel good pitcher in A ball that came over in the, the uh, Tyler Malley. Chase Petty. Tyler Malley. That trade from the Twins. He's a number one draft pick. I would not make that trade. That's a lot to give up for that pitcher. The White but Sox that's a rumor. said that Cease is not available. Yeah. Ever yeah. since Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez have been traded, they, they have said that Dylan Cease is staying put. So Cease isn't well, somebody that, that they're going to move from. But, but you know, it, it is tough for a player. And you saw where Jonathan India had to take a day off, right? because he kind of felt mm -hmm. the pressure, the uncertainty. So he took, you know, a day off, which I've never heard before. What did he, how did he categorize that or something? Just a mental day off? Mental day. You didn't have any mental no. days, Tracy? No, if I was put, listen, I, I, I sat the bench a lot. So if I thought I was gonna be in the, in the lineup, I wanted to make sure I was ready to go. That was not a good opportunity to have a mental day. I had enough right. of those sitting on the bench. Tracy, you were traded four times. What is the conversation like between a manager, between a franchise, when they call you in and, and let you know, hey, we, we, we've given your contract to another team? 
They never called me in. I would get a call about 1.30, usually around June 16th, 17th, or 18th, and it would be the general manager, and he'd say, Trace, you've been traded. I said, good, where am I going? And he says, you're going to Montreal. I says, good, it's gotta be a lot better than here in Cincinnati. So then I get traded from Montreal. Dombrowski calls me the general manager. Trace, you've been traded. I said, where? He says to the Giants, says, good. When do I leave? <laughs> then I got traded to the Giants, got traded again. Uh, Al Rosen, the general manager, calls me. Trace, you've been traded. Where? To the, uh, where did I go? Mariners. Tigers. Did I go? Tigers. Oh, Tigers. Mariners. Tigers. Were, yeah. So it happened one more time. Bill Joy, the general manager, called me. He says, Trace, you've been traded. Sparky wants you out of here. I says, okay, good. Where am I going? He says, you're going to the Mariners. I says, I always love the Pacific Coast. I love it. It's so great. I always wanted to play for Griff with Griffey, so I was traded. But it, it is it is kind of a – it's tough because people are kind of dumping on you, right? They don't want right. you. But the way you look at it, in my case, everybody wanted me, right? Mm -hmm. Barry Larkin mm – -hmm. Barry Larkin, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for a guy like Johnny Bench. They only played for one team. Right. So right. what does that say? Cal Ripken, Tony Gwynn. I mean, I think it just tells you really – that someone wants you when you're traded five times. Yeah, think of it in, in the same way with relationships, right? If you stay with one woman for forever, it just means you're not desirable, right? Like if you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have multiple marriages. Speaking of that, can I oh, compliment Casey? Casey, Casey, you have really upped your game. My wife saw you the other day. She was watching the podcast. She didn't realize how handsome you are, and I'm a little jealous. You've cleaned mm. yourself up. You've lost some weight. I mean, do you ever regret maybe you should have done this before you got married? Because you look really, really, my wife, coming from my wife, said you look really handsome. Any thoughts on that, Case? Well, I'm not cleaned up right now at the current moment. Mm. But when I do, when I do, I do tend to get a lot of uh, a lot of eyes a lot of eyes so I, I try wow. to not I try to not do that often because I don't want those eyes on me right right that's right but you're committed a dedicated man, man Tracy. committed man committed very committed. well you know it's it's like this you know you're all cleaned up you lose weight I bet you you got on clean underwear good chance you're you're not having an affair already three months into the marriage no. right slow no. it down Casey yeah slow it down no, no. I mean, I, I'm I'm a very loyal man. I would never, ever, absolutely not, ever think about seeing other women. Mm. Paul, what about you? What about that girl you had at the game the other night? What was the story there? Yeah, oh, she was, she was bring, so nice. She was so Lindsay. nice. She was a lovely woman, Tracy. She was a lovely woman. I'm glad you introduced me to her. Do you have her number? Uh, yeah, I do have her number, but every time I call, it just ends up, it, it says, uh, T. Jones, and then it just ends up, I, I, maybe it says Danae, I don't know, that's just where it ends oh. up. Oh! Hey, now! How dare you! <laughs> I've never well, seen Paul spar like really, this. I'm telling you, she had a really nice body, a very, like we used to say in baseball, a clean hiney, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm. Good for you, Tracy. 
Tracy, you mentioned, uh, you alluded to uh, when you were telling the stories about you getting traded, and, and I liked how you, you you gave a little jab to the general manager. Like, ah, I don't want to be here anyways. Get me right. out of here. You mentioned right. that Sparky Anderson didn't want you in Detroit. Did you not get along with old Spark? I don't know how that turned, but Sparky went to Bill LaJoy, the general manager, and says, we got to trade him. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if I said something or did something, but Sparky wanted me gone. And I, the only thing that I can remember is I came in two days before I was traded and they, hey, I said, Spark, don't give up on me. I said, I'm, I'm starting to hit, starting to feel it. And we talked for about five minutes and he let me out of the office. But here's the thing with Sparky, you never have a meeting like that. You never come into his office and start talking about your situation. He warned us. He warned me about that two years or a year earlier, and I did it. And I, it wasn't an argument or anything or questioning him. Right, right. I was just saying, don't give up on me. And Sparky didn't like that. That's the only thing that I could think of because I really liked it in Detroit. Detroit was really good. I, I like a lot of things about that. I love. I love the ballpark. Have you guys ever been to Tiger Stadium, old Tiger no, I, Stadium? I actually was telling somebody about this. Tiger Stadium, you know, you, you talk about the old famous ballparks that yeah. are no longer here. Abbott Field, Polo Grounds in New York, all these fields that are, that are gone. Not a lot of people, not enough people talk about Tiger Stadium. And I truly think that the Tigers should have made a greater effort to, to refurbish the stadium because it'd be so cool if that was still around. Well, you guys, and I know you guys love your baseball. And just to walk into Tiger Stadium, and you could actually, I know people are going to say it's corny, you could actually smell the grass. It was just so neat. That was baseball. The fans were so close to the players. In fact, you would have a pole. Some of your seats, there were poles that you really couldn't see the field. You had to duck around them. They had the overhang in right field. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it, it was the best old ballpark, in my opinion. And it was fun to play. It was a great hitter's park, I think. Left center was like 365. And great guys on the team, too. Really liked the players. Jack Morris, Trammell. There was never a better teammate than Trammell. Lou Whitaker, Frank Tanana, uh, some great Cecil Fielder. Great Cecil guy. Fielder, right? Yeah. yeah. Behind Sparky, who was your favorite manager that you played for? All in all, if I look back at it, I liked Pete. I know Pete was tough on me and he was a bit of a front runner but I, I at least he gave me the opportunity to play in the big leagues i like buck rogers the only manager that i didn't get along with was roger craig and it wasn't roger's fault it was my fault i was hitting a buck 89 it's tough to make an argument for playing when you're hitting under 200 hitting under the mendoza line right All right absolutely it's tough to tough to do so tracy the reds went three and ten against the brewers Back in your playing career, was there ever a team that you felt like you were on an equal playing field with? Feel like you were just as talented as, as I believe the Reds are as the Brewers. They're just completely different teams. Was there ever a team that you just couldn't get over the hump with? And why do you think that was? Astros. The Houston Astros. We just couldn't get over the hump with the Astros. A couple years they won the championship. But you start figuring out when you have Nolan Ryan, Mike right. Scott, who was the Cy Young Award winner, Danny Darwin, who was a pretty tough right-handed pitcher, and right. Bob Nepper. Those were your four guys, and they had some good guys out of the bullpen. Uh, you realize that they had a better team. Remember, it's the pitching, and that guys, that's what happened to the Reds with the Brewers. I mean, the Brewers, 
have re I told you this last time I was on Tuesday. I told yeah. you how good that bullpen was, right? They completely mm -hmm. shut down the Reds. And I just, the Reds are fine. I don't know if you know this stat. I know I'm starting to sound kind of dorky with all the stats. But, you know, the Reds pitching staff is third in baseball since the All-Star break. I don't know if yeah. you know that. Yeah, I mean, their starting pitching is fantastic. So I would not do anything as far as the trading deadline unless I could pick up a couple of relief pitchers. I would not give up any of those good young players. The yeah, that's, Reds are set for years. Yeah, the, the, the name that keeps being thrown around is Jonathan India. And when, when you think about packages that you can potentially get, the, the most likely package is that you trade them for some prospects and you keep looking forward to the future. I've said for a while now that the best pitchers, the best additives to the roster that, that are going to come back are guys that are already on the team. They're just coming back from injury. TJ Antone, uh, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and, and Vladimir Gutierrez, who I just was reminded that he might be coming back too. Once those guys come back, this team is just as, maybe not just as talented. That's that's an oversight. But they're, they're equally, they, they have talent in the bullpen, in the starting rotation, not just in the lineup. And this you know, team you said, is a complete team. Yeah. You know, Reed, you said something that's kind of, and I'm sure people chiming in don't like what you just said about trading for good young pitchers and continue the rebuild. You know, if I'm the general manager and you're really gutsy, that is actually the move I would make. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it into some, you know, third guy in the rotation. That mm -hmm. it never works out. I mean, how many times do teams get a pitcher? And the guy really comes in, helps the team. They get in the playoffs. They get in the World Series and win it all. I mean, Max Scherzer did a nice job for the Dodgers, right, sure. when he was traded from Washington. Sure. But I, then in the World Series, he didn't pitch a couple games, right? So right. it just never works. I just, I think the Reds are fine. They're fine. Right. They don't need to make big moves. Yeah, you look at the best rental um, trades in the history. Randy Johnson going to the Houston Astros. The Astros didn't make the World Series. CC Sabathia going over to the Milwaukee Brewers. He was fantastic for the Milwaukee Brewers back in 2008, but the Brewers didn't do a whole lot in the postseason either. So these rental moves, they oftentimes don't make a huge impact to the team. So Yeah, you've got to watch it because you don't want a, a Larry Anderson for Jeff Bagwell or a Doyle Alexander for John Smoltz, right? I right. mean, I know that goes, but those are just been horrible trades. Hey, I got a question, and maybe you guys can help me out. I mean, I do Would so much Would love to answer your question. I'm so selfless, and, you know, people don't have to pay for this show. I think we should charge people. They can at least smash it and like this show. Right. Um, but I have a question because I'm thinking about not that I need the money, but I know you guys know the answer, and it's embarrassing that I don't know the answer. How do you bet on baseball? And would I be allowed to bet on baseball now that I'm not a player? Well, the best way that you can bet on baseball is opening up the Betfred Sportsbook app. But are you asking what bets are we are we taking when we bet on baseball? Yeah, what is it? What is it? How do you, you know, because in football, it's just straight up. They give you three points, take away three right. points. How does that work in baseball? I don't so there's know. two there's two different ways. You can bet on the team just to win, and it's not a one-for-one. One. Normally, like, if a team's heavily favored, you're, you're only going to get half of what you bet. So if it's minus 200, you got to bet $200 to win 100, stuff like that. But they yeah. also have a thing called the run line, which works just like a spread in football and saying that the Reds are going to win by two runs. And then also over-unders, and then you get into the player props. I guess Tracy Jones going to hit a home run today. That was always right. a sure thing. But, yeah, there's multiple ways to bet. If you were to bet, Tracy, I, you're a gambler. I know you're a gambler, but you haven't really dabbled in the, the whole sports book, 
whole sports book scene. At least I, I don't, yeah. I didn't think that about you. Are you telling me you're going to start putting some wagers on the Cincinnati Reds? Man, I'm, I'm really thinking about it because, and I think I can make some money off it because remember, I see things that you people don't see and playing yeah. for five yeah. major league teams. I think if you look at my body of work, I think I have a lot of expertise. I just would like to put a little action on the Reds. And, and I know all the sports betting, now it's out there. Can you actually place bets at Reds games? This is how clueless I am. There is a sports book at Great American Ballpark, a competing sports book with Betfred Sportsbook. Yeah, but out at out in left center field or on the left field of foul pole, there is a sports book there. Actually, if you remember the sports story from a couple months ago, where uh, the Alabama head baseball coach, yes, he was, he was I, putting, he was helping people bet there. Th I was just going to bring that up because that guy actually, I think, was an assistant coach at Kentucky and recruited Hunter a couple times and I've talked really? to him. He's a little, yeah, he, I think he was a pitching coach. Maybe, I don't know, but he, I think he coached at Kentucky and got the job at Alabama. But how about that? To be betting on college baseball. I think it was Alabama against LSU, wasn't it? Correct. I think it was that. Yes. And he, yes. yeah, so he had control of the pitching and he got fired for that. You just wonder how many other, you know, college kids are betting on games now. Kind of a little scary, I think. Yeah, we're going to keep seeing more and more athletes come out and, and get in trouble for, for betting. You, you mentioned Hunter. That's your son, correct? Right. It's a yes. good time to have a son named Hunter in, the, in, in, this, in this country right now, Tracy. <laughs> what what is your, your thoughts, Tracy Jones? <laughs> Tracy, are we going to have to check your son's laptop? What's on your son's laptop? I don't want him checking my laptop and well, no, we know that. Doors <laughs> probably on Xbox. <laughs> you, you know what? It's all right if your name's Hunter and your dad's the president. You're well, you're the president the of the HOA, right? Yeah, I, I've dropped out of that. I, I just couldn't get the votes. I'm not real well liked in the building. I didn't know that. Surprise! What? You got a you got a you got a smile that 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 just warms everyone, Tracy. How could no one like? Yeah. I mean, you're you're a California boy. You're from Hawthorne, California, the most famous blonde. From Hawthorne, California. Hawthorne, Hawthorne, California. Well, it's now it's brushed nickel. It actually used to be blonde, if you can believe it. I had a woman in the building stop me, and she says, I just love the color of your hair. How did you get it so white? <laughs> it's like, Do you die? No, what it is is stress. <laughs> stress. Stress. Yeah. What are you stressed about? You're you you're a five time. You play for five MLB teams, Tracy. There, there's no stress there. Well, there was a little stress when I watched my kid play on TV every single night for ten years. <laughs> so watching Hunter play, he's a good player. It's just the players are so much better nowadays. I I, I don't know if you guys really realize that. When All I right. played, th there were pitchers that like had the fourth or fifth guy in a rotation. They were hittable. You could get fat off those guys. Now the pitching's so much better. I mean, now the, your fifth starter is Lodolo, you know, throwing 94 uh, and a left-hander. You know, we used to face 85-mile-an-hour left-handers, fifth man in the rotation. That's where you get fat. But the players are so good, especially watching TV. My bro One of my uh, son's roommates was Juan Soto. I mean, you watch Juan Soto play. I mean, my God. He's you know, he's off a, little, yeah, off a little bit this year, but, man, what a hitter. I mean, those guys are freak of nature. And still only 24 years old. You mentioned that the, the talent level has gotten so much better. I remember being a kid, and my dad told me, 
you know, you're, you're coming up through the youth ranks. He's like, if you throw 90 miles an hour, you're yep. going to get drafted. That was what he said to me. You throw 90 miles an hour, you're going to get drafted. Almost every high school team in this area has a guy that throws 90 miles an hour now. It's absolutely incredible, Tracy. 90 used to be the, the, the speed where you could get drafted, certainly at 92. But now, right. I mean, guys are throwing 90. Think about the bullpen. Think about how hard those guys. I mean, you have the guy in the sixth inning. He's throwing 95. Then you got the setup guy. He's throwing 98. And then you got the closer throwing 100. I mean, Williams, example, with the with the Brewers, right? Because I've watched him pitch. Yep. I mean, that slider, I couldn't hit that guy's slider. And he can give me 100 at bats. I couldn't hit that slider. You know, probably not the fastball either. I mean, these well, guys are really, really good. It depends if it was your first 100 at bats because you would have had at least 39 hits against that slider. You know what? I really get tired of talking about my first 100 at bats. I mean, we thought McLean was going to break that record. I mean, 35 is pretty good but not 37. And who had 37 hits out of the first 100? What was his name? Mr. 29. Mr. 2-9. Mr. 2-9. Final question I got for you, Tracy, and it's it's off the world of sports. Did you see yesterday that a guy testified before Congress basically saying that aliens exist? Oh, that's actually, they had three whistleblowers. And I was going to bring this up, and I didn't, you know, people get all mad wanting to just talk about right. sports. Right. I've been talking about, when I had that afternoon show, I talked about it all the time. There's three, t they actually say they have aliens, bodies, right? Right, they have it stored. right. And this is it, because I'm kind of an expert. There's three types of aliens. There's the tall whites, look like Jim Carrey, look, look like, like Paul. 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 Look pa like Paul. Paulie could look tall, tall white. You have the grays, and then the little known, uh, the short yellows. So yeah, the, you have three types of aliens. It's incredible. It's, it's, I, I, and, and I don't know if anything's going to come. Right. No one's going to talk about it. It's, it's so weird today that all these huge things come out in the news and they just get swept under the rug because Kim Kardashian launched some new, some new line or something like that. Everything I just know. gets I think, swept under. Actually, I think the alien story is like the biggest story, right? Because if they want to wipe us out, they can do that. And it's, it's just, I believe, I believe in all that stuff. I believe in Bigfoot, uh, Chubacabra. Mothman, uh, UF, uh, USOs, unidentified submerged objects mm -hmm. are in uh, the Ohio River. I see them all the time after a couple of shots of tequila late at <laughs> night. It's got that light shining all out. Uh, I thought you were a vodka man. Well, that's the problem. I'm fine on vodka, but I start drinking the tequila, I start mm -hmm. seeing things. USOs. All right, Tracy. Well, thank you for, for coming on. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Um, Red's got a big series against the Dodgers, so they got to they got to got to get a couple wins. Big here. series, but the Brewers have a tough series against the Braves too. So yes. kind of. There you go. Have a good weekend, boys. See you, Tracy. See you, Tracy. See ya. You notice that Tracy didn't bring up the Chicago Cubs, right? He must not be on X.com because that's all people are talking about on X.com is how good the Chicago Cubs are. Guys, do we have a cherry on top to tie a bow on this show? We do. I, I do. Um, it's kind of a, a very late submission to this uh, um, cherry on top, so I'm give scared, me a right? second. I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous. So we talked about the scuffle between Trey Hendrickson and Orlando Brown Jr., Look at the oh man's Oh my neck. gosh. I know. Put the claws away. Put I mean, them that's, away. That's crazy.
That's crazy. He tried to go for the kill. Or for the jugular. That's the jugular. And we yes. got Orlando Brown versus Trey Hendrickson for three more years in Cincinnati. It's awesome. He's smiling. He's, He's smiling. smiling. He signed an extension the next day. I love that. He's happy. I love that. Happy to be here. Was that was, it, was that the Bengals saying like, "Hey, we're sorry about we're what sorry. happened. We're, we're sorry, sorry what that. happened yesterday. You want to play for us? us? Here's Don't a here's a million dollars. We have bad workman's comp. <laughs> Actually, he's getting less money. Oh, he's just he's adding an extra year. He's less cap hit this year. So Logan Wilson, T Higgins, watch out. Man, none of the cap moves have anything to do with Burrow. I'm standing by that. Burrow's gonna get done one way or the other. Mixon and, and Hendrickson now, those other two contracts are getting done. Yeah, we talked about what other players were going to do team-friendly deals. My mind didn't even think about Trey Hendrickson, but yep. this is this yep. is great. This is great. I mean, his contract Bengals. was set up perfectly for him to be, quote-unquote, selfish, taking a one-year run into Super Bowl in Cincinnati and then cashing in on two amazing years when he's been being paid greatly under the production he's putting out. But no, he, he decides to be here, and that just continues to push the narrative of what Jermaine Pratt did, of what Joe Mixon did, hopefully what these guys are going to continue to do of recognizing that we have something special here and sticking around. I'm so excited for I the mean, future. I mean, I'm curious, man. Future of this city is undeniably bright. All the professional sports teams are looking great. And, you know, it's the college programs. We'll see about Scott Satterfield. But everything else, very bright times here in the Queen City. We'll see you tomorrow, 10A. We got Jacob hosting, right? Oh, boy. Mac Let's go, Jacob. Yeah. Last We're all day, just taking Jacob. a lap Last day, Jacob. Oh, Let's go. I'm locked in. Let's go. We'll start I'm planning it the it. second this show gets off air. I'm sure we will. Yes, we will. See you guys. This has been Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We'll see you tomorrow.